From Chicago, it's Saturday morning. It's the Murph and Fred Show. Starring Mike Murphy, Fred Hubner, and featuring Eric Ostrowski. Now here's your host, Murph and Fred. Ah, beautiful day. It's not raining, it's not snowing. It's a little chilly, but Fred, you're happy. Ah, it's going to be gorgeous. <laughs> and uh, if you're going to the Bears game tomorrow, yeah. 40, 48 and sunny. Make noise. It'll be sunny for everybody except Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. Bring your siren with you. Can you bring your own siren? Please don't. Well, we'll get to that. Yeah, please okay. don't. Three three two three seven seven six. And Jim, Jim Reband's a really nice guy. He's been PA announcing in this town since the poll was good with Mark Aguirre and everything. He's Fred Hubner. Please stop yelling. They're please stop. Him. Stop telling people at second down, get up. Isn't that, uh, what's his name, Hagel, telling them to do that, though? And, and Nagy's behind it, so. I got a what? feeling Nagy's behind it. Well, that's all right. This isn't, you know, this isn't, this is Chicago. This well, isn't Jacksonville. It's been very quiet there for a long time. Oh, my Probably God. Probably for good reason, I understand. Yeah. This is a po- it's not a, some podunk town, it's Chicago. Tank Fans town. know when to cheer. Not a tank town. Jeez. All right. But anyway, that's just me. Perfect Fred every Saturday, 9 till noon. And uh, busy day. Lots and lots of bears. We will shoehorn in White Sox-Cubs talk between now and noon. So stick around. Jesse Rogers, our Cubs guy. And Scott Merkin follows the White Sox over at MLB. White Sox, White Sox keep making moves. They picked do. up another guy last night. Yonder Alonzo comes in. They uh-huh. picked up. A catcher, James McCann, yesterday. Yeah. Backup catcher. So they're they're moving. They got a starting pitcher, reliever. Yeah. Heck, you think about it, they picked up catcher, first baseman, starter, reliever. <laughs> they're picking people up everywhere. Colome, uh, Nova, yep. McCann, and Alonzo. Who just happens to be Manny Machado's brother-in-law. So does that mean something? It means Manny's coming. Manny's going to be here in Chicago next week, I guess, to talk to the White Sox, and his brother-in-law can show him around. Let's uh, let's look at what we're going to do today, Fred. Uh, we're going to talk uh, Vic Fazio. Fazio, what the heck? Can't remember my own handwriting here. You know what? I know all the things we've heard about him. There's certain, see what we like to do on. He can't do a cartwheel. We know what that. We like to do on Saturday is not cover any ground that's been covered in the last five days. Uh huh. And no one's talking about him, I believe, as to how he won the game in his own special way. His, uh, that's his own special way uh, Sunday. Here's why. Everyone's, oh, his, he was good. He did this. He did that. He did that. Everyone wants him. Everybody wants him to be head coach. You know what? He will be a head coach someday, perhaps. But not for all these. See, everyone says this. Let me ask you a question. Every- will, will you be named a head coach before the Super Bowl? That's a good one. So no. there's no reason for us to talk about it. No, no, but here's... No, I agree. The only reason... All I, week long, I've heard... I know. What if Vic Fangio leaves? You know what? If the Bears win a Super Bowl, I don't care. But he, exactly. But here's the only thing. Everyone keeps saying this, Fred. That's why I've been... Because everything we're going to talk about today is new okay. and fresh. Well, you know, it's an offensive league. Everybody wants the young guy that yep. knows how to throw the ball, the next nagging. Sure. Where is he? Well, see... Everything goes in ebbs and flows. No or more than the NFL. It's a copycat league. If the Bears keep winning games, 15 to 6, all, all right? Right, right? They win games 14 to 10. You know what's going to happen in the next offseason? I said if the if. Hang on. I know. All right. Where's the what if, though? Didn't know we'd get to it this early. Fred, what if? 
What if the Bears keep doing this and rolling and winning games 14 to 10, 15 to 6? You know what's going to happen, don't you? Well, it comes back that the defense will win yes. championships. And everyone then is going to say, we don't want the young offensive uh, mastermind. We want the older season veteran defensive guy. To shut down those young yeah. guys. But no one has said that. Yeah. Everyone, and you know, we all, I listen all the time, read everything I can, and everyone, oh no, just reject that. He's an old defensive guy. He's out of vogue right now. We'll talk about that. Uh, some in, inside, uh, we're going to do something interesting with uh, Khalil Mack in a few minutes. I want to talk also about uh, Parkey, uh, our field goal kicker, and what's his name, our special teams coach, Fred Adams. Chris Tabor. Yeah. Everyone loves this guy. Well, everybody except a couple except people. Except you and me. I don't people that know that he's screwed up throughout mm-hmm. the year. And uh, let's do this right now. Let's open up the phones. I want to ask you why, uh, and everyone, I'd like to throw out this as one of our Twitter poll questions and 3323776. Is Matt Nagy a football genius? All right. Okay. A, B, C, or D? A, absolutely. B, he soon could be. C, he's about the league average, you know, brains. D, far from a genius. Okay. All right. 3323776. And crowd noise. Now, maybe you were at the game last week, even watching it. So the first time the Rams uh, come up to the line of scrimmage, you know, about five, ten, five minutes into the first uh, period, first quarter, I heard the I go, what is that? You know, the air raid siren in the background. And then this had to be, now there's conflicting reports. Some people say it came from Nagy or some say Nagy had to okay it. This was insiders that I've followed, right? But whatever, they did it every play. Almost every defensive play. Well, let's just say this. They wouldn't do it without getting his permission. Nagy. Yeah. Game day ops would not do something without no. the head coach knowing about it. All right. In the Tribune today, uh, they remind us uh, some of the rules here. A coach is allowed to communicate with the quarterback through the in-helmet speaker. All right. We all know that. Until the play clock a reaches 15 seconds, or B, the ball is snapped. Well, they broke that down a lot on uh, broadcast Sunday night because they kept showing Sean McVay talking to Jared Goff up until the 15 second time. So they 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 made they harped on that throughout the course of the game. But now here's the key: home teams are allowed to play artificial noise until the play clock reaches 20 seconds, or. The offense reaches the line of scrimmage. This according to the NFL's online operations site. Uh, FCC, I believe, does not allow us to play sirens on the air for obvious reasons if you're driving in your car. So, uh, you know, we can't play. But it's standard garden variety off the shelf at the Menards uh, if you want to buy one. Air raid siren. Yep. All right. It's sort of drones and, you know. If you're out in the Western Verbs, you hear it at two. Uh, I, I want to say it's Tuesdays at yeah. ten. Yeah, yeah. Every mm-hmm. Tuesday, the first Tuesday of every month at ten o'clock. Yeah, you get your tornado siren. You know what was weird? They played mine last week at ten twenty. Was that Eric? Yeah, hey, Eric. How you doing, man? They they played mine at ten twenty, and I go, something's wrong. Did are the clocks all off? I looked at my watch. I go, it's ten twenty. They were supposed to play this twenty minutes ago. What's going on? Couldn't believe it. And uh, it's not like I missed it. And it's not like it goes on for 20 minutes. Did it was ever, weird. When I was a kid, the Russians were getting ready to uh, uh, 
nuke, nuke uh, United how many States. Times, how many times in school did they take that she show you how you had to climb underneath your desk? Like, that was going to help. Well, they were, they were going to fire from Cuba, remember? Yeah. yeah. And uh, Kennedy put the blockade up. So they started the uh, emergency air raid thing at, uh, you know, 10 o'clock on Tuesdays. So then you all think, well, why doesn't Khrushchev just bomb us at 10 o'clock on Tuesday, right? Then yeah. we wouldn't know they were coming. Like it would matter. Well, no, we'd be hiding under our desk. We'd be safe. Three three two three seven seven six. The Bears sirens and the make noise announcements. A, B, C, D, A. Smart B. I love it. Three low class of Bush League or uh, four. I hate it. Now. Fred, I knew you were not. I know. I, I was sort of fifty-fifty when I started hearing the uh, air raid sirens Sunday, and then they did it every play, unless of course they were quick up to right. the line, the Rams, and then the rules we just read, right? But then I'm thinking, you go to New Orleans and you play in that damn dome, and the crowd makes so much noise, you can't hear anything. Yeah. If, if when you're on offense, in fact, I don't know if it was illegal or not, but they were found to be. Uh, pumping in more sound noise even than the crowd was making. Remember yeah. that? Yeah, they were they were turning the volume up in the crowd noise. Well, no, well, I thought it was sound effects of actual crowd noise also oh. recorded. Boom, that they were jamming. Do you guys remember? It was before last season. The Atlanta Falcons actually got draft picks taken away because they got caught piping in sound music when they weren't supposed to. So they actually got. I think it was a third round draft pick taken away yeah, because right. they were piping in the sound. Yep. Well, Eric, uh, you raise a great point. By the way, could you hit EO11? My screen's frozen up here. I want to introduce everybody. Eric Ostrowski's uh, back with us today. Your screen's not working either? <laughs> oh, well. It isn't. Your screen is frozen on my screen, too. All right. That's fun. Well, uh, then, we, we, then won't, we just have to talk. Then we won't use the screen. Yeah. Oh, we'll just talk. 332-3776. So... The way I look at it, Fred, all's fair in love and war and the NFL these days. Until they tell you to stop doing it, then you know what? You go ahead and do it. The old timers have been going to Bears games for a long, long time. They realize that you they don't need somebody to tell them when to stand up and cheer. But the old timers don't go to games anymore. It's young. No, no, no. The old timers still do. They they never got rid of their tickets. They never got rid of their tickets. Now their parent now their kids are mm-hmm. just with them. And their kids have grown up knowing what to do and what not to do and things like that. Okay. So, you know, it's just, it's the way it all, it's all going. That's the way, uh, that's the way they like it. That's fine. I don't like it. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people don't like it. We'll see how it turns out with the poll later, later on. Okay. Let's go to the phones. Let's bring in the Bear fan, Bob. Hello, Bob. Good morning, guys. How are you? you Good, Bob. Were you at the game, Bob? Did you hear the uh, sirens uh, last I was at the, oh. I was at that All game. Right. All right. Okay. The answer to your question is, I love it. Keep it up. Because did it make a difference? It absolutely did. There's no question about it. You know, you flustered uh, their offense when it happened. I'm not sure on the rules on that. I thought 
you got to turn the thing off when when they go up to the line of scrimmage. Well, yeah, we, uh, you're probably is. on hold calling in. Uh, hi. Home teams by the NFL are allowed to play artificial noise until the play clock right. reaches 20 seconds or or uh, the offense reaches the line of scrimmage in like a hurry up or a no huddle. Right. I think, it, I think it's when they run up the line of scrimmage, you got to turn it off. Yeah. And you know what? Fred, you talk about you don't like to be told what to do out there with second down. Here's the problem. Nobody's doing nothing with second down. And when you get a team like the Rams or the Packers come in, because the crowd is quiet, you know, I think it does help. You know, you need a little bit of that disruption because I think the crowd did help against a superior team with the Rams. I, I, I really do. So explain you know, this, uh, Bob. Me. Excuse me, Bob. Explain this, if you would, then to everybody. On second down, what are they doing? And it's new, I believe, right? What at the uh, in, at the, the center at the soldier? Well, what he did, you know, when when they're in the huddle, the guy would come on the radio. It's second down. Get up, Bears fans, make some noise, you know. And then okay. the air raid saying siren comes on and then everybody starts cheering or you know doing what they're supposed to do and making noise and it got even louder when they got up to the line of scrimmage and it was the crowd doing it and do i think it disrupted their play to to a certain extent yes it did it caused a couple of false starts it caused them to burn timeouts which is exactly what the crowd is supposed to do you know disrupt the other team and cause them to use timeouts and you know so you vote uh, you Absolutely. vote smart uh, for bear sirens and the make noise announcements. Uh, how Absolutely. about another uh, Twitter poll active and our question three three two three seven seven six seven bear fan Bob is Matt uh, Nagy a football genius A B C or D A hold on absolutely yep. B soon could be C he's about the league average D far from it. Oh, he absolutely is. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you why. I've been to all these Bears games. From my vantage point, there is always a, uh, how do I want to say this, a place to throw the ball or an open hole for somebody to run the ball. It's always there. Now, rather the quarterback or the running back realizes it or the receiver catches the ball, that's a different story. You know, you don't always get that because this is still a rookie offense. But the play is scripted will work if they're if they're executed correctly and i think you know a little bit more of that and yeah the more we see it the better it, it's going to get let I, me, I think he's a genius yeah but let me ask you this bob i agree fred we're not just talking though offensive play calling offensive scheming overall he's a first year head coach He's got to be involved with timeouts, management, clock management, everything up and down the board. This is where I found this guy. And players, uh, relating to the players, the locker room, club dub, which it looks like he's sort of pilfered in a sense from Joe Madden type thing. If it works, it works. When you're winning, it's great. We all know the deal. But I think this guy, Fred, Bob, is bigger. We're just looking at him, at least I had been, as the offensive genius. I think this guy's umbrella goes over everything. I think he's on his way to becoming a genius. Uh-huh. I don't think he's there yet. He's, uh-huh. got, he's got a ways to go still. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yep. Well, yep. anything yep. else, Bob? Oh, yeah. Now we're going to talk about the Packers. It's called contain, collapse, and take Rodgers down. Do it early and do it often. Otherwise, the Packers will be in the two-minute offense for the whole game. They don't have an offensive line, so you're going to see that hurry-up offense. The Packers do have plenty of weapons. Make no mistake, you've got Cobb and Adams, 
these guys are some pretty good receivers. Adams is, you know, that's the number one receiver, and he's getting better and better. They have a new running back by the guy by the name of Jones. I'm sure you've talked about it on, on your airwaves. I heard a little bit of it. I think Jones is a better running back than what people give him credit for. You know, uh, Graham, eh, he, he's really nothing. I, he doesn't scare me a bit. Now, the Green Bay defense, run in between the tackles, and you run right at that, that little girl, Clay Matthews. You know, and he needs a haircut, by the way. Clay Matthews is a big nothing. The only thing he's going to do is make one, maybe two plays a game, you know, go out there, give you the fifth fist bumps, and then uh, go on TV and sell another commercial or something or another. Right. Guys, those are my thoughts. Go Bears. Thanks. Bear wouldn't be Saturday morning without Bear fan. Bob. He brings up a great point about running the ball because uh, the Packers, the way their defense is, mm-hmm. you can get past their front line. You're all the way, you're all, all of a sudden, you know, the safeties are running. You're running at the safeties. And uh, the Bears should be able to run the ball successfully. And on offense, or on defense, the Bears have to get to Favre. Uh, he is going to throw the ball quickly. If he does throw the ball quickly, you know what he did in the first half uh, of the game against the Bears? He got uh-huh. injured. Second half in that opener, he went 17 for 23 for 240 or 273 and three touchdowns. He had a 152.7 passer rating because the Bears couldn't get to him because he was throwing the ball quickly. Now, they had success, so there's no doubt they're going to try and do it again. And this Bears defense is better now than it was in the first week. But they're going to have to find a way to stop um, to stop Aaron Rodgers and that uh, that offense. I mean, it's uh, a Brett Favre, too, but so Aaron Rodgers, you got to stop. All the Bears have to do is knock off Green Bay, and the Bears will clinch the NFC North. Uh, it's always fun to beat the rival at home, too. Or on, or anywhere. Home or road. Yeah, they've lost the last five. The last time they beat the Packers was a glorious Thanksgiving day in 2015. Here was our own uh, uh, Jeff Dickerson. Uh, J.D. does a great job for us. Uh, check him out Monday through Friday. He was talking earlier this week um, about Nagy. And uh, I think he even mentioned... Uh, uh, John Fox, how dead it was then and how alive it is. Well, you know, when you're winning it's and losing, fuck. But it's so night and day. And the more he was talking about this, the more I drew the parallel uh, between, you know, Joe Madden, at least in his early years with the Cubs. And I still love Joe. I don't think they'd be making the right decision if he, you know, leaves. But that's that's about a year away. So it appears... And, and Fred, you know, you had Joe Madden, he's in his 60s. You got Nagy, one of the youngest coaches in the uh, right. in, in the NFL. You got Joe Madden, you know, uh, this week talking about, uh, you know, the, the book, uh, Mo- Millenniums uh, are for Dummies, right? The Millennials for Dummies. And uh, as, I, as, as I'm listening to J.D., I'm thinking that, you know, age doesn't matter. If, if, if you relate in the parallel, and so much now it appears from that one time... When Nagy sat down, met Joe Madden, I don't know if it brushed off. It was always the inner Nagy, and maybe, you know, hearing Joe, it gave more confidence. But, or BU, you know, which he has on all his uh, uh, play call sheets every week. You can see BU. Here's that JD. You know what the Bears remind me of almost? It's almost like a college team. The way they celebrate after games. Is it a little annoying that Club Dub last for like 15 minutes and you know he gets a, you're like like okay guys let's get in the locker room let's get going mm-hmm. but the fact that that Nagy has instilled this culture I cannot begin to tell you how dead that building was under the old head coach <laughs> there was no fun there was no enthusiasm and you know what there was no accountability either 
What this head coach has done is he has changed everything. Matt Nagy, that was Jeff Dickerson, football genius. Vote right now at ESPN 1000. Now, I asked uh, Trey Burton earlier this year, which comes first? Uh-huh. Uh, the camaraderie and everything else or the wins. And before I even got it out of my mouth, he said wins. So sure. wins change everything. Oh, yeah. Anytime you have a winning team, you're going to have teams having fun, especially in football when you only play 16 games. And I don't have a problem with them celebrating every win. Um, baseball, it's a little crazy. You have 162 games. 95 times the Cubs celebrated with their, their you know, spinning mirrored ball and things like that. Just That's a ball. lot. <laughs> yeah, but you know, for the for football, for doing it for you know the 16th, think about it. Yeah. How many times before this year did we even see the inside of a Bears locker room? We almost never saw that. We saw it in a lot of different teams, but for years and years, we didn't see the inside of the Bears locker room. Well, you know, John Fox wasn't going to let anything out of the, uh, you well, know, Well, once in a room. while, there was once in, there was a John Fox once in a while long, and then there was maybe a, a Jerron once. I don't know that we ever saw Tressman in the locker room. I don't think we ever saw Wani. I don't think we ever saw Lovey in, in the no, locker room. No. None of that stuff. But now, we're seeing you know, we're seeing Matt Nagy as he's leading the, the dancing at Club Dub, uh-huh. and uh, you know, the Bears are posting that themselves. So it's not like somebody else is recording it and showing it. The Bears are showing it themselves. They're damn proud of what's going on right now. Well, they had the video of uh, everyone dancing, and right in the front there was a, a Trubisky. What was that? Let's see. I think it was called. Let's bring in uh, Eric Ostrowski. Uh, was it uh, Swag Surf? Swag Surfing? What was that they were it's playing? The song they always seem to play. Right. The video is always posted. They're playing a song called Swag mm-hmm. Surfing by uh-huh. Fast Life Young Stars. Uh, which would be uh, uh, Fly. F-L-Y. Yes, correct. Yeah. See? Uh-huh. See, I'm so Look fly. at you. You're uh, hip to the hop. There's live in the Bears locker room. They're doing it right now. They can't stop. Oh, Fred, please sit down, Fred. Uh, Boy, this is just getting me moving. I thought it was just the white, the white Sox polka that made you stand up and dance. Fred, I had no idea your hips were this loose. Look at them swing. I always, I always told you Fred was hip. Boy, almost, almost any classic rock would give me more than this. Oh, there we go. Do we have to hit the dump button? I don't know what they're saying anyway. <laughs> this is the radio version. We're All safe. Right, okay. We can't play a siren, but we can play this, so it must be okay. Does it, does it have any boom in there where Nagy can go boom? <laughs> Shakalaka. All right. Club Dub. W. Win. Okay. Well, we'll periodically check in there with the uh, Bears uh, locker room, see if they're still playing it. Let's get some results here while we have EO11 with us. Uh, let's take a look at the Twitter poll results. Is and is Matt Nagy a football genius? A, absolutely. B, could be soon. C, is a league average. D, far from it. I. Uh, I'm voting absolutely, and I'll prove my case in a few minutes here, Fred. Yeah, I got could be soon. All right, all right. Uh, league average or far from it. Once he fires his special teams coach, I would probably say yes, he's a genius. Everyone loves a special team coach except us. Now. I don't know what they're watching. Al Michaels. You know what? Let me say something about Al Michaels. I rewatched the game again uh, yesterday, right? Yeah. Part of my job, and because I wanted to. He's really good. He's really good at 
breaking down what just happened, right. tying it together to the bigger picture of something that happened a quarter ago or a half ago, is not bad at uh, projecting uh, like the timeouts. We'll get to that later in the show. That's the Rams' second timeout. You know, that's going to cost him, which is obvious, but yet... He never misses a chance. He's really good. Yes, he is. I, I used to think he was sort of losing his uh, fastball about 10 years ago. I think he's as good as ever, Yeah, no, I like him. I like him a lot. Mm-hmm. I like the broadcast team. I like Collinsworth, too. Yeah. Even even though he did say at the end of the opening game of the season yeah. that the loss to the Packers could set the Bears back decades. Yeah, he did, didn't yeah. he? Yeah. Uh-huh. So. I don't know if they still have bulletin boards for material, but they could certainly have video boards. That's something they should replay. Yeah. That's something Nagy should be playing back Sunday uh, morning what it around did, 11 a.m. Yeah, what it did do is woke up the Bears' defense that they have to be better. They have to finish games, and uh, that's what they did against the Rams. Hopefully they do that this week against Green Bay. All right, so uh, Fred and I have split our vote. I'm going to, uh, between now and noon, I'm going to convince everyone, even you, Fred, that the answer is he's absolutely already a football genius. Big picture, the big umbrella, not just uh, with the offensive playbook. All right, uh, Eric, uh, EO11, give it to us from the uh, bottom up to the winning vote, please. So everyone is pretty overall optimistic on Nagy and his football geniusness. Mm-hmm. Um, both. So the bottom is shared with 3% both for league average and far from it. Cool. 24% of the voters believe that he's absolutely a football genius, and 70% believe he soon can be that football go. genius. There we go. That's not bad. It's not bad considering but, the geniuses yeah. we've had running the head coaches before. So. Well, of course, what happened was they heard Fred's vote, and then they all voted. They all jumped out. Yeah. yeah. Everybody everybody agrees with me. Right. Yeah. <laughs> three, three, two, three, seven, seven, six. We have some other uh, questions up on board. going to get... Deeper inside the Bears uh, in a few moments. Uh, when we return, I have a yellow pad full of Bears uh, items, fresh items, nothing you've heard uh, Monday through Friday. I know, Fred, you've got yours also. We'll have plenty of baseball. Uh, let's say around, what, 11 o'clock, Jesse said he'll phone and talk Cubs. Scott Merkin from MLB covers the White Sox. A lot going on for the White Sox. Nothing really going on for the Cubs. We'll break that down. Ah, they're just waiting for Bryce Harper to sign. And Bears and uh, much, much more. Back in a flash, vote now at ESPN 1000. Busy day. Glad you're with us. Mike Murphy, Fred Hubner. Saturdays, ESPN 1000. Get right back on the Bears beat. But we have baseball uh, around 11 o'clock. Jesse talks Cubs. And uh, we'll have uh, Scott Merkin uh, talking White Sox. So we will not forget the baseball fans out there. Lots to cover. Fred already itemized the uh, new White Sox players. So far, a long way to go, maybe. And we'll try to break down, did it mean anything, that they acquired uh, the brother in brother in law, right? Right, uh, brother in law Yonder Alonso, the brother in law Manny Machado, mm. who is apparently going to be visiting six teams this week, and uh, the White Sox are on that list. Do we read something into that because it's the brother in law? Now, let me ask you: Everybody this. else can. Everyone, a brother in laws can go two directions, right? Yeah. See, what we have to find out. Maybe uh, EO Eleven will do some investigative reporting. Is it like me? See, if it's Manny's wife's sister married Alonzo, that's her family. You know what I mean? If Manny's wife, yeah, I know, right, I know this, married Alonzo's yeah. 
his, his sisters with ma- Alonzo's wife. Then it would really be, well, that's my that's my sister's going to be living in Chicago. We, you know, sometimes they have more clout, you know. Yeah. Well, we know that. We know who's the boss, and as well, it ought to be right. So, but that would be different from if we're brother-in-law from the other side, you know. And there's no real. So, we'll we'll, uh, we'll continue to uh, cover that in a few minutes. I think it's Yonder's. I, I think it's Manny's sister. Married to Alonzo. Yeah. Well, that's got a lot more pull. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's what it if is. If that's the brother-in-law connection, so then all of a sudden Mrs. Manny says, "I want to, you know, I want to live in Chicago with my sister." So, we'll cover that. Let's go back to the Bears. There's something that's sort of been uh, that little pebble in my shoe all week, Fred. All right. Just to review, and I think everyone's still pretty clear on uh, the exciting 15-6 to 6 victory. Oh, I got I to get it right now. Alonzo's sister is married to Manny Machado. There you go. Yeah. So it's Alonzo's sister is married to Manny Machado. Oh. Okay, that's not the way I was hoping. Yeah. Okay. But still, you never know. Okay. Now, in the Bears game, something interesting occurs. Okay. Everyone all week said, not everyone, but everyone I heard, everyone I heard all week said, uh, well, you know, after that uh, final, uh, after the third uh, interception that uh, Trubisky threw... technical problems. I'm sorry. All of a sudden, everyone's been saying the same thing, pretty much, Fred, that uh, after uh, the, the uh, final uh, uh, interception, they... Yeah, uh, the third of the game. The Bears, third by Trubisky, uh-huh. uh, that uh, Nagy stopped calling pass plays. And uh, I heard this all week. Well, you know, he lost confidence, stopped uh, passing the ball. All they did was run the ball. The implication, some... Uh, the experts flat out said that, well, you know, he just obviously flat out lost confidence. And then uh, uh, other of the experts say, you know, well, you know, it's interesting, factually true. You know, they never threw another pass, uh, though they did call a pass play. Yes, they did. Which turned out to be a scramble by Trubisky, which is uh, listed, therefore, as a as a run, you know, uh, because you can't break, you can't look. See, if you're a reporter or an expert, and you look at the uh, next day of the uh, of the play by play, and you go, "Look, there's no passes on here." Right. That doesn't mean they didn't call a pass because uh, they did call a pass, and it ended up being a uh, sc- uh, scramble. Uh, Trubisky's back in the pocket. It wasn't a run pass option. It wasn't anything other than a good old fashioned tuck it and run. And this was uh, about a minute 33 uh, left in the third quarter. Uh, it's third and six. Uh, the Bears have the ball back at their own, uh, you know, about 35-yard line. And quarterback drops back, third and six. Trubisky, no one open. Pocket's collapsing. He tucks it and runs for about three yards. Not enough for the first down. It was a pass play. They call the pass play. Now, one of uh, the guys that does a great job, we love uh, Dan Wiederer, comes on with us uh, on this uh, radio station from the Tribune. And uh, this is just a sample. It was the first one we pulled up here. Uh, A sample of what we heard all week. It's not factually incorrect. It is factually correct. But listen closely. After Mitch threw his third interception on Sunday night, the one that that seemingly for six seconds (laughs) gave the Rams life in a game that the Bears were dominating, 
the Bears did not throw the ball the rest of the game. This was late in the third quarter that Mitch threw that third pick, and they ran the ball on every single offensive play the rest of the way. Hmm. Correct. They never did pass the ball. Yeah, they called one pass play right. only. No. They didn't have the ball a lot. They went three and out a couple times. They mm-hmm. had a penalty one time uh, in the fourth quarter. Right off the bat, a penalty on Witchman for a false start. Then he got a 21-yard run and then three more uh, mm-hmm. downs and uh, a punt. And then three downs and a field goal miss. So Now, as much discussion as there's been all week, I don't know if there's been enough discussion, Fred, on the fact that the uh, the Rams had to call almost consecutive timeouts early in the fourth quarter. Oh, so what, Murph? Timeouts. You get three. Yeah, timeouts are huge. Now, here's what happened. And this is all because of the Bears' defensive coordinator, your guy from San Francisco, Fred. The Rams have the ball. Now, listen to this. There's 11 minutes remaining in the game. 15 to 6. Rams have the ball. And they're, they've marched, they've marched, they got a long march going, and they're down to the Bears' 17 yard line. It's first and 10. They're knocking at the door, and here's what happens on the first of these two timeouts, which I believe turned the whole game around, and we'll understand in a minute why Nagy did what he did by not passing, passing, passing. Everyone, oh, you know, stop passing. Well, here's the first of the two uh, nails in the coffin, I believe, for the Rams. 11 minutes are remaining. Here's their first timeout. It was a panic timeout from the sideline, from the coach of the Rams, because he didn't like the way that his play call was lining up against the Bears' defensive scheme. And now Goff is going to take a timeout. First turn, timeout. Los Angeles. So 11.07 remaining in the fourth with the Bears on top by nine. All right, stop the tape. 11.07 remaining. They will now line up. Oh, then they go off sides, Fred. They'll now line up. start, yeah. First and, right, I'm sorry, first and 15. And uh, they throw an incomplete pass under pressure, which stops the clock three seconds later at 11.04. Now it's second and 15, and guess what? They are again confused by the Bears' defensive scheme. Gurley comes in motion, and the Rams call a timeout. So the Rams have just taken their second timeout. Only one left called from the sideline. Here's McVeigh, obviously not liking the way they were lined up. Uh, NBC uh, TV, thank you. So, Fred, the Bears are up by nine. There's 11 minutes left, and the Rams have just one timeout remaining, which will turn out to be key as Nagy puts the stranglehold on them and runs, runs, runs. Now, on that drive, they're down, uh, you know, in Bears, uh, down at the uh, 17, down at the 20. And that's when they clanged off the upright the 40-yard field goal and yep. missed it. Greg Zerline missed the, the field goal. So the Bears remain up nine with 10 minutes to go. Bears get the ball, and here's what they here's what Nagy calls. A run, a run, a run, and then uh, the Bears are punting. But he's running off time. Here's why. Hello, everybody. Here's why they stopped passing. Nagy's saying, I'm up nine. They can't stop the clock but one more time and the two-minute warning. 
I'm going to run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. The Bears get the ball at their own 30 after that missed field goal clanged. There's 10 minutes to go in the game. He runs the ball, runs the ball, runs the ball. And now it's fourth and six. And he says, well, I'm going to punt. Fred, this is the most amazing thing. Nagy found a hole in the rule book. And Eric, I know you were talking about this in our pre-show Love Fest upstairs. If you want to jump in in a moment. There's 7.50. Now listen to this. There's 7.55 left on the clock when the Bears line up to punt. Fourth and six from uh, around midfield. Right, Fred? Yep. The play clock is set at uh, 40. And they run it down to one second before they're going to snap for the punt. Standard operating procedure when you're ahead late. All of a sudden, the whistle blows at the one-second mark of the 40-second uh, cl- game clock. False start. The Bears' outside right uh, guy, defender number 84, Brew Becker, whatever, Brew Becker. Ben Broniker. There you go. Yep. He jumps back. Like, he jumps back. False start, right? Yep. One second before the play clock. And you, I know what most people think, Fred. Well, they want to back up five more yards to get the better angle for the coffin kick, right? That's what, you watch it a couple of times, and you know what? It was an intentionally planned fake false start called by Nagy, who had looked through the rule book probably for his last thirty years of his life. Well, let me ask you a question: If they would have, ju- if he didn't jump, and they would have just uh, mm-hmm. ran out of time, yeah, wouldn't the same thing have happened? I don't know. I don't think the clock would have started because okay. here's what's here's what happens. They march off the uh, five yards. Now it's down to seven minutes and 16 from 7.55. And the clock starts running again. Now you get a 25-second play clock only, not 40, in this situation, as I reviewed it a couple times. Now they run it down all the way to one second and punt the ball. Fred, they went down from, this is Nagy, he went from 7.55 down to 651 a whopping one minute and four seconds burned off the clock and nothing happened right it's amazing they stood around the rams were standing around watching now uh there might be uh, eric did you mention that you thought after the two minute mark of a game this is a then this rule doesn't i just feel like this this is a crazy loophole rule so like at the end of the game it has to change at two minutes or something because at the end of the game teams will just run the clock out like this you know it might be i wasn't i was looking for it this morning but i haven't seen the answer on that yet now but this was an intentional false start yeah, because again, the, I, it's still, I don't understand why if uh, they just used the whole clock yeah. and they got a whistle, I don't know why it wouldn't have been the same thing. Because I, I, I think a play clock would start, but the game clock would not. This started the game clock. Whatever. Yeah, I don't understand what the difference is. Well, if 20, no, 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 no. I don't understand why that would, why a penalty, they're both uh, penalties. Yeah. They're both penalties. One of them is the clock expired, the other one is a penalty. But maybe maybe because you have a penalty while the clock is going, then the clock continues. Well, they, they marked one way or the other. Nagy burned a minute and three seconds. Yeah. And then, you know what? Now the game's, the noose was tightening with the clock and the Rams, and he kept running the ball. And they didn't have, then they get, it's later in the game now. The next time the Bears get the ball, it's 428. Why would you be passing the ball? They're going to keep running it, which they did, Fred, and burning the clock. So all week long, I dispute that Nagy lost confidence after that third pick in Trubisky. 3-3-2-3-7-7-6. 
Here's our Twitter poll for this hour. Matt Nagy's gadget plays. A, I love him. B, he's been lucky. C, the NFL, they're going to catch on pretty soon. Or D, I hate them. want to continue to talk with you about Matt Nagy's. The gadget plays, the trick plays, call them what you want. I heard you discussing it last night. Yep. With uh, Chris Black. With Chris Black, yep. good stuff. Murph and Fred back in a flash, ESPN 1000. Uh, I have no idea. Noise there to try to uh, put me to sleep. We uh, just we just play what they tell us to play. You can't put me to sleep. I have my weekly cup of coffee yeah. at nine a.m. every Saturday. Welcome back, Murph and Fred, and uh, we'll move on to some other pressing of Bears items. But trying to digest uh, how the Bears and Nagy uh, got to run off sixty-four seconds uh, on a punt. And Fred, I know you've been digesting. We don't want to drag everyone too far into the weeds. But when the Bears did the intentional false start at the 44-second mark of the uh, of the 39-second mark of the 40-second play clock, then they get another 25 seconds both on the game clock and the play clock, yep. which is, it worked it, out. It doesn't make sense. No, but Nagy said, "Hey, do the fake thing." Yeah, which he seems to know every rule inside and out. Uh, Remember last week, Fred, uh, we had a little quick segment. Let's try to guess what the next trick play is going to be that Nagy's going to run. Uh, and uh, uh, turns out we came up with a couple. I thought I came up with a couple of lamos, you know, and uh, uh, trying to figure out. Little did we know he had the, uh, you know, well, uh, he had the Santa, Santa Slay. Santa Slay in yep. his hip pocket. Uh-huh. Uh, I said, you know, something that uh, you never see is, Sort of like the end of the game, a kick return when you're desperately throwing about three or four laterals. Well, someone did that this week, remember? And someone scooted all the way. Through. Well, they did it. Yeah, there wasn't a kickoff, but yeah, it was. Oh, it was desperation last play. I'm sorry. Last right? play. Miami, uh, Miami did it against New England and knocked yeah. off the Patriots. Thank goodness. Two or three laterals, and then yeah. the guy popped it. Right. Yep. Guy ran uh, yeah. the rest of the way. Well, see, th- th- this is a play that really, if if you think about it. It's got very little downside risk. Uh, well, of course, at the end of the game, you're going for broke. I understand that. But help me here. Let's say that uh, a guy like Nagy so, does something where they all roll right and he throws like a 5-10 yard pass downfield to, you know, who's got a good arm? Cohen? Cohen yeah. can do everything. And you got a sleeper, maybe the quarterback or maybe even like when someone goes way over down on the left side. A receiver for the Bears are eligible, and no one sees them. They're all running after Cohen. Now, if he throws a cross field pass, yep, was it fifty three yards? Is that the width? I think, think I so. remember hearing once as a kid of the NFL uh, field, whatever. So he throws about about fifty yards backward, you know, behind where he is. Got to right. be a backwards pass, obviously, or it's illegal. It's called a lateral. Let's say he throws one about fifty yards all the way to somebody. Now. Obviously, it's a live ball. Yeah. If that ball drops, it's still a live ball. It's not a forward pass. Right. It's a li- So you could just launch that thing backwards a couple of yards, 50 yards to your left, all the way across field. And even, the, you know, assuming there's no one covering that guy, which could, I think would happen. Why wouldn't that be a play? Because there's no downside. If there's no one near it, it's, if, even if you drop it, it's just a fumble. You pick it up, right? You could run. Yeah. 
He'll come up. He's got. I'm telling you. I don't, that one's too bizarre. Well, I don't. I don't that, too bizarre that, for Nagy. Yeah, because <laughs> Nagy's are all in tight with what tight stuff going on. I don't think you. You don't want to. You don't want to make the the thing the the ball go too far. Okay. All of his have been. You know, a, a uh, defensive lineman <clears throat> carrying the ball up the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, I know. You know, a pass, know. Uh, you know, uh, on the, um, you know, and not to Philly special, but well, <laughs> whatever the Bears call so it. He, he's, he's, so far, he said, uh, we know the freezer left. We all know that one. Yeah, that he was had, brilliant. He had the uh, Santa Sleigh last week. Yep. He had something. We had the Willy Wonka somewhere along the way. And he had the... Uh, uh, Oompa Loompa. That's the, uh, yeah. Was that it? Yeah. That was the Philly special. Yeah. You know what I did this week, Fred? I've never seen it. I watched Willy Wonka. Well, I've never seen it. I've not seen it either. Is that Gene Hackman or the oh, new no, one with Johnny no. Depp? Gene Wilder, the original. When I say Gene Hackman, Gene Wilder is no, what yeah, I meant. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. that one's terrific. They like a little. No, that one, like right? That one is awesome. It's well, still one of my favorite. Movies. I never seen. You know, that was not in my wheelhouse when right. I was, you know, eight years old or whatever. Hey, hey give me that Upalopa. Give me some Upalopa. So, friend, you've never seen this? Never. I never saw it either. There's five kids. They win like this gold ticket by buying a Willy. Wonka chocolate. Yeah. Five of them. They get to go to the uh, Willy Wonka factory. He kills four of them. Well, they kill themselves. They don't follow the rules, Murph. So they hurt themselves. That's the way it should be. No, however you want to phrase it, they all die, right? Willie and Scott. Now I might, might want to watch it. Oh, I'm telling it's you, good. it's morbid. It's it scared me as a kid. It, it. It. it sounds like Saw too. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm saying to myself, wait a minute. There were five kids and have one. Now there's only two. I had to go. I had to rewind. Did they all get the golden ticket? Five of them won the golden okay. ticket. There were five issued. And one of them, one of them really won everything. It was just random. Yeah. You get the golden ticket when you buy the Willy Wonka chocolate bar if it's in the, the golden ticket. Yeah. So the one kid's the good kid. Four of them are incorrigible, and like Willie will say, like Eric, you know, don't touch that uh, button or don't touch the button. Room, they're gone. They're just gone, and uh, their parents—they're both gone. I go, wait a minute! I didn't know that Willie Walk is knocking off four of these kids. Now, see, now I now I want to go watch it. <laughs> and then the kid that wins, he ends up. Uh, he gives him the entire factory. Here, you're gonna. Be, I'm retiring. You got the Willie Wonka chocolate factory. You figure out ways, and then it's Saw Three. You figure out ways to get rid of the kids now. Uh, I don't know which I like more: swag surfing or Opa Lopa song. Murph and Fred, hour number two. Plenty of Bears talk baseball. We're gonna be busy. Glad you're with us. Stick around. Back in a flash. He has. And 1000. The State Street Studio, home of ESPN 1000, Chicago's all sports station. This is WMVP AM Chicago. How you doing, Fred? You all right? I'm doing good. Yeah? Getting over being sick all week long. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I've been medicated all week, so we'll see if it continues. It was starting to come down last Saturday. I yeah. remember you mentioning after the show. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's lingering. Yeah. So, I'll be with Mongo tomorrow. Hopefully, 
uh, out at Twin Peaks in uh, Oak Brook from 9 to noon doing our pregame before the Bears and the Packers. I saw you in Mongo yep. at Twin Peaks. You came out at the one we did last week uh-huh. out in uh, Orland Park uh, from 4 to 7. Buddy Dave, uh, Dave Shostokas. Yeah, yeah, packed them in. There were a lot uh-huh. of people out there watching games. My buddy Tom Kelly was out there. Yeah. And uh, the, the wrong team kept winning. <laughs> for all of Tom's uh, wagers. In fact, at that same Twin Peaks, uh, Orland Park on uh, LaGrange Road, south of uh, the town there, boom, about 163rd or whatever. The uh, Four days earlier than when I saw you, I guess it was like uh, a couple of days, Friday actually. Friday. A week ago, Friday. Carmen and Yurko. I saw Carmen Yurko yep. and, uh, you know, meeting some people, just, you know, standing off to the side. Remember the title of the Steve Stone uh, book? Where's Harry? Yes, I yeah. do. Okay. Yeah, I think that was tongue-in-cheek because I think it really irritated yeah, young Steve Stone. Uh-huh. And he'd go somewhere and no one would say, hey, Steve, how you doing? It was, hey, where's Harry? So he actually named his book after that. Okay. So uh, first time I'm standing, hey, where's Fred? Someone said to me. I get it. I said, he's with Stoney. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah, uh-huh. you just thought, I'll be, he'll be here on Sunday. Oh, Jesse Rogers joins us shortly. We'll get right back on the Bears beat in an hour, I should say. Jesse joins us at 11. But I've got a little message here uh, uh, from uh, Jesse. I guess he's got a little scoop. Okay. Okay, remember all the publicity that uh, Joe Madden got this week? He says, yeah, I'm, I'm reading um, um, Millennials for Dummies, right, to, to learn about the Millennials. Remember that? Yeah. So according to Jesse, now, out of the not verified this, Joe Madden, He's giving, uh, for, I guess for Christmas, he's giving, he's got uh, 25, 30 uh, books, and he's passing these out to all the Cub players Okay, for, for Christmas. Uh, title, uh, uh, Baby uh, Boomers uh, uh, for, uh, for Dummies. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, the funny thing is, most of the ballplayers aren't even millennials or younger than that. Yeah. So, yeah. but anyway. Joe got a lot what of laughs happen, out of it. What would happen, though, if he, if, uh, like Jim Boylan, what if he passed out books... You know, uh, I'm a ba- boiling, yeah. baby boomer. Here, learn to do it my way. Here's baby boomers for, for uh, dummies. Yeah, I don't know if it's going to work. That's no good? I don't know if it would work. <laughs> maybe if you put it, maybe if you made it an audio version, uh, they might they might listen oh, to it. Oh, okay. I don't, I don't see them sitting down and actually reading a book Nicely unless you're done. able to transfer it to their Kindles. Let's get back on the Bears beat. First, let's bring in... Uh, Let's bring in Eric Ostrowski. EO 11. EO 11. Uh, uh, Eric, uh, our Twitter poll on the uh, board right here is uh, Matt Nagy's uh, gadget plays, uh, trick plays, whatever you want to call them. And, you know, a lot of people are very skeptical, Fred. I don't know. I think, uh, I don't know uh, where you stand. I've heard you comment on this. That the Audis are lucky. They'll get old. I've, I've heard this. They're all great when they work. And I've heard this one, which is incorrect. Regression to the mean. In other words, people like that phrase. They don't know what it means. Yeah. But they use that phrase. I don't use it. Totally uh, unaware, oblivious uh-huh. as to what it means. And I've heard people, well, you know what? Eventually, these trick players are going to go bad because of uh, regression to the mean. Well, See, there is no mean yet. We don't know what the mean is. We don't right. mean uh, mean meaning, you know, sort of the average to generalize. So how do you know there's a mean to regress to if these are successful 99%? I said if, yeah. you know, what if they're successful every time? A lot of thought goes into them, a lot of practice, a lot of uh, research. Sure. So to just flip off. And say, oh, you know what? These are uh, eventually the tide's going to turn. Regression to the mean. There is no mean yet. 
because it's a, they've been about 100% as far as I can recall, right? Successful. Yep. All yep, the ones they've we, worked. All the ones we just mentioned uh, last hour. Yeah, they've all worked. The Cohen touchdown pass, the pass to uh, Bradley yeah. Soul. They all, they've all worked so far. Well, the handoff to Akeem Hicks in a wet, with a wet, rainy football. Hand the ball oh, to a big 360-pound uh, defensive tackle. You're not that that makes a lot of sense. But I always combat you on that one. He got big meat hooks, big ham hocks. He's got that little football in there, Hicks. But, hey, you raise a good point. But it worked. And uh, like yep, you said, did. as long as it worked. As works. long as it worked, we're fine. <laughs> Once you lose the game because you ran a play like that and didn't run one of your regular players or... You know, something else like that, then we'll see how cute it you is. You don't like the 52-yard cross-field uh, backward no. pass? No, I don't. All right, we'll see. Not a fan of that one. No downside. Too far. <laughs> Let's go if, too if ball's got to be up in the air too long, too many people can oh, yeah, well, it's There's it. no one there. I agree with you. All right, uh, Eric Ostrowski, uh, Matt Nagy's gadget plays. Love him. Well, he's been lucky. Uh, the NFL will catch on, or I hate him. Give us bottom up, please. All right, bottom up. Uh, with only 2% say they hate them, and those 2% don't like fun, apparently. Well, or they're Packer fans. You know. um, 14% saying the NFL will catch on. 17%. Sort of a, sort of a regression to the mean, mm-hmm. even though we don't know the mean yet. But, uh, all right. 17% saying he's been lucky. That's and then a vast majority, 67%, love Matt Nagy's gadget plays. Fred, you were B. He's been lucky? Yeah. <laughs> 17%. All right. Now, again. Or were the other teams unlucky? Now, see, also, if because they've all worked, everybody loves them. If two of the five or two of the six didn't work, eh, maybe not so much. So we'll see. I love that he calls them. I love that he calls them. I love he's got the uh, the, the talent and the players to, to work him out. It wasn't like he was thrown to a guy that couldn't catch the ball. Bradley Soul went up high and made a great catch. So, do you think he'd go for that two point conversion now after seeing what happened? What was it? It was twenty nine twenty eight. Uh, Chargers beat the uh, Chiefs. Uh, was that Monday Night Football with yeah. the two point at the end? He would have then either you know it was twenty eight right. to twenty one. They get the touchdown twenty eight twenty seven. Clock winding down. Yep. Games ending, and they went for they could have gone for the extra point overtime, or they went for two. Oh, but he was wide open. Yeah, boy, but he was open. You know, I don't know what that has to do with that. Oh, he's wide open. Three guys went on one. I understand what happened. But it worked. Like Fred says, if it works, it works. Do you think when Nagy saw that against his old uh, team, the Chiefs, by the way, do you think Nagy said, it was like, oh, I should have gone for two against the Giants? Against the Giants. A- absolutely. Yeah. I bet he lost sleep. Well, a lot Monday of people night. a lot of people think that he used his two-point conversion on for the touchdown for the, uh, the Oompa Loompa play. Yeah. With, uh, well, with Cohen true. throwing the ball. Yeah, that's... And then now you're going to run a normal play. Blue is wide there. He had one play left, right? right. And uh, he used it. Well, it could be. Yeah. Could be. They had to get the touchdown and tie it, and they did. Mm-hmm. So they just kicked the point and figured we'll be okay in overtime. I think he's... I think he had a tough night sleeping after seeing the two-point uh, go for Well, he's it. gone for two points earlier this year, even early you know, in the first. I guess uh, Carmen and Yurko were talking, and they said when you're down 14, you should actually... Go for the two-point conversion the very first time you score. I thought that, well, that had a lot, see, I heard that. It was a good angle. It's fun to talk football. Now, that depends. What time, What is it early in the game? Is it late in the game? So if you go for uh, the two points and you fail, you can go for the two points again on the again. next one, and then right. it's 14-14. Right. So, I don't See, again, if, if, you, make you, it the, if you make it the first time, then but, the next time all you got to do is kick the extra point. Well, yeah, but but uh, you know what? Is, 
what is it? I don't know. It totally depends on a how. See, what factors in, and where Nagy blew it by not going for two against the Giants, in my opinion, his team was on the road, and they were dead tired. Cohen was out of gas. He was gasping on the sidelines. Yep. Now, uh, they're thinking, okay, we we, tie, we go to overtime. No, no, he should have gone for it right there, but, you know, he'll have another chance to make that uh, a decision. So... I'm listening to ESPN 1000, and I'm uh, enjoying it earlier in the week. And uh, I'm listening to uh, uh, Jordan Cornette, right? Okay. And uh, he, he says something that I've been thinking about, but he put it he put it perfectly. Please I Notre remember Dame, I was right? on the way to the Notre Dame game, first game of the year, the Michigan game, and I was in the car driving, and I and I got the news when we found out about Cleo Mack. Mm-hmm. That changed. Everything. I looked next to next to me in the car to my fiance Shay, who was along for the ride, and I said, "Shay, you are in such a awesome position. It's your first year covering the Bears on their beat, Fox being the home of the Bears, and you've got a team that has a chance to compete for a Super Bowl. It changes today, and it changed. There's no doubt. So we all remember where we were. It's it's almost like you know those big days in history and sports history, obviously." Fred, remember where we were? We were right here. We were right here. Yeah, we were right here, getting ready for our show. It was Saturday morning. Yep, uh, September first, and uh, but I was seven thirty in the morning, eight o'clock. We start getting these reports that uh, the Bears are getting uh, Mac. Right. We don't know what the trade is. Uh, we had different speculation. Remember what we they- didn't know how many uh, players. We didn't know it was going to be two first. Was it going to be a first and a, and Danny Trevathan? Yeah. We didn't know what was going to happen. And I don't think the uh, word of this of the second round pick coming back to the Bears was almost for twenty four more hours. Right. Didn't happen for a while until like Sunday or Monday. We yeah. found out that that was coming back. So we had an unbelievable, a busy show that uh, morning. We had uh, so many guests last minute. Can you come on? Can you come on? Can you come on? Some of our own guys here. Some of our uh, uh, experts uh, came on. So. Uh, uh, last week, uh, uh, Felix, and this week, uh, EO11. I said, let's do this. Let's go back real quick to uh, Saturday, September 1st, about 9 or 10 in the morning. And uh, we cherry-picked here uh, two of our guys that uh, played the game in the NFL. Carmen and Sylvie? <laughs> oh. So, uh, fantasy. They're fantasy. <laughs> Here's, uh, we got Tommy Waddle reacting to it. And uh, uh, Yurko, John Yurkovich, let's go first. Uh, here's Tom Waddle. This was, uh, I want to think, about 9.30, something like that, right after the news broke. I haven't heard what the guys put together yet here. Let's go back to uh, Saturday morning, September 1st. The news was breaking. Tommy Waddle. heard the news. I was like, look, this is going to be a good day. So um, high price to pay, as you guys, I'm sure, have talked about. But you've paid it for a known commodity, not an unknown commodity. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, Khalil Max, as good as there is, getting the opposing quarterback, he is very versatile. He can play in a 3-4. He can play in a 4-3. He's the only player, if I'm not mistaken, guys, that was on. The, was named not, not to the Pro Bowl, but as an all-pro in two different positions as a defensive end and as an outside linebacker, something that had never been done, wow. I believe, back in 2016. So I guess the moral of the story is you put him in Vic Fangio's defense, and wow, look out. Look what? out. I mean, he's he's... He's been the most consistent harasser of quarterbacks um, 
since you know he came into the league, if you look at his numbers. So uh, this is a huge move and one that will certainly upgrade their chances. That was Tommy Waddle shortly after the news was announced. Phone calls. That was a busy show, a fun show. Harasser of quarterbacks. I like that. That should be on his. <laughs> that should be on his business card. <laughs> Khalil Mack, harasser of quarterbacks. Now, the last couple of weeks, and and we have uh, uh, Yurko in one moment. So stick around. You know, it's interesting. Hicks has been more and more prominent. But isn't that simple lately? Isn't that simply because they're double teaming, triple teaming uh, Mac? Uh, but also Hicks is just playing out of his mind, Fred. Yeah, I I don't necessarily think if you watch a, a lot of times they're not double. T- uh, they're not doing more than uh, the one guy and a ch- and someone chipping. Yeah, Khalil Mack. They are double teaming um, Akeem Hicks still, mm-hmm. and that actually has helped. Uh, Leonard Floyd, when Leonard Floyd rushes from that left side, he's able to uh, work some games and do some stunts and uh, get into the quarterback, and it's happened a few times. So Akeem Hicks is playing playing, uh, very, very well this year. This is uh, definitely a Pro Bowl year for him. Well, Floyd's been terrific. and uh, Of late, yeah, he's been very good. Pressure, You know, I heard an NFL guy, expert recently, can't remember who to give the attribution to, doesn't matter really, but he said, you know, and I guess this has been around, Fred. Have you heard this one? I hadn't really. He said, sometimes pressure is better than a sack. Yeah. Because pressure leads to interceptions. Sure. That's pretty interesting when you think about it. Not that you're not going to try to sack him. Don't get me wrong. But Floyd, I don't know how many sacks of any Floyd has. And every week he seems better with the you know thumb coming back. He's got just two. Okay. Okay. I didn't even recall yeah. if he had those uh, that many. But... He's there every time. Yeah. He's there, like, getting a hand on him, disrupting, hand in the face, touching his shoulder as he comes by. It's been uh, really synergistic now. And most of it, you know, I still think we can say because of Matt. All right, let's go now back to uh, September 1st, the morning of the uh, news breaking. Bears get... Khalil Mack, let's bring in uh, Yurko. What's Yurko have to say? Well, it made a lot of sense, and it just depended upon where they thought they were. You know, where do the Bears believe they are? They must see something for them to have decided, hey, let's get this guy. This guy will help solidify the defense. This guy will help get us, you know, this team off the football field and bring the offense back onto the football field. So for one reason or another, they're feeling very, very frisky uh, about what they see offensively. So... To me, this is a good sign for the Chicago Bears. They like what they see. Um, they're willing to go ahead and trade away two first-round picks. As long as those first-round picks are in the 20s, yeah. in, the, in the next two years, right, I don't right. mind as much. They're, I don't mind as much. If those first-round picks end up being a 7 and a 10, not so then, yeah, that becomes a little bit of a problem <laughs> because then Khalil Mack didn't have the impact he was supposed to have. Oh, very prophetic right there by Yurko as, yep. as the season marches on. I think we played with these numbers last week quick, didn't we, Fred? You know, uh, getting a uh, what if they'll uh, work out today? All right, just for laughs, what if the Bears win the Super? You know, go Super Bowl and win, they would get what the thirty second thirty second pick. Yeah, and uh, how, how's Oakland doing this year? Uh, if they finish with the worst record, if they finish 30, 32nd in the league, they would therefore get the uh, uh, first pick each round. Yeah. So next, not this coming year, because it's in, in the 20, uh, 21, right, where we get the second pick in right. the flip-flop. So the Bears would lose, if that scenario, the Bears would lose the uh, 
32nd overall pick and get the 33rd overall pick from Oakland, right? In the yeah, not bad round. at all. No. no. That one wasn't bad at all. No, 3-3-2, three, 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 seven, seven, And uh, Twitter poll on board right now. Oh, main reason, vote now at ESPN 1000, 3-3-2, three, 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 seven, seven, Main reason, the Bears are 9-4. and four. All right? Okay. A, B, C, or D. Main reason the Bears are nine and four. George McCaskey, General Manager Ryan Pace, Coach Matt Nagy, or D the players. All right. Three three two three seven seven six. Main reason the Bears are nine and four. The owner, he brought in Ryan Pace. Right. Okay, Matt Nagy. B. Ryan Pace, he orchestrated the deals that put this team together. C, Matt Nagy, the genius, as I call him. And D, you know, you can't do it without the players. 332-3776. Get your votes in a moment here. See what you have to say. Got a Bears yellow pad here. Let's go first to the phone lines and uh, go to Martin Grove. Uh, Is that the Talib? Did I pronounce that right, sir? Uh, that uh, Talib punched up there. There you go. Hey, it's Murph and Fred. How you doing, Talib? Hey, good morning, gentlemen. How you doing? Doing well. Good. What's up? Can't complain. Uh, I just wanted to say I know you guys were talking about you know where uh, when when Khalil Mack was uh, came to Chicago and uh, remember every everything everyone was doing. Um, I remember that morning as well because I was I got in my car and I turned on the radio. I listen to you guys all the time. I love the station. And, Thank uh, you. You know, I, I, I listened to it and saying that the Chicago Bears got Khalil Mack and I turned it to Donald Trump and I ca- started calling ESPN fake news because I couldn't believe it. <laughs> There's no way in the world that the Raiders would give us Khalil Mack, you yeah. know, but hey, it happened and he made such a huge <laughs> impact and I believe that because the team is doing so well, because we got him, I believe that never ever in history will, will we ever forget as Bears fans where we were that night or where we were that day, you know what I mean? I so, think you're right. Uh, have I a think wonderful you're right. day, man, and Thanks. you guys have a blessed one. Enjoy this weather and uh, see you guys next time. I'll talk to you guys next time. Thanks, Thanks Talib. Yeah. Uh, never fake news on ESPN 1000, except maybe, you know, on the Murph and Fred show. Yeah, every once in a while, people used to do it on April 1st, which... Yeah. I always ask for that day off. But. Yeah. Okay. Of course, Jesse's reporting that uh, Joe Madden uh, just uh, sent out 25 books to the Cubs players, uh, 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 Baby Boomers for Dummies. So that is, I don't know if that's fake or not. Three three two three seven seven six. Why are the uh, main reason the Bears are nine and four? You know, they've got the Bears are Bears are nine and four. Yeah. People look at the schedule. They see the Packers, who are bad this year. They see a three-win Niners team, and then they see Minnesota. I just want to let all the fans know, these final three games are not going to be easy. Going to the West Coast and playing a young Niner team that's got nothing to worry about losing, they had nothing to lose when go out there and play. They got a young quarterback who can throw the ball. They have some speed in the secondary. They have a young defense. They're not bad, and Minnesota has something to prove. These are going to be tough games down the stretch, these final three games. So all the excitement about the Bears about to clinch the division is great. But these three games are important going into the playoffs. That loss to the Giants really hurt. Yeah, it hurt a lot. Because you 
That was the only game, uh and and Chris Black brought up this point yesterday, that was really the only game Mm -hmm. that you look back at and they lost to a bad team. The Dolphins, in Miami, they just got done beating the Patriots. You lose to Green Bay the opening game of the season, and then you lose... You know, you lose the Miami, you lose the Patriots. But the Giants game, oh. there's no rhyme or reason for that. You had that game, and I don't care how many times people are going to tell me, the timeout by Matt Nagy at the end of the first half changed that entire game. And uh, as a result, the second half started. Bears' defense was flat. They gave up two touchdowns. They, just, they never should have gave up. And maybe that woke them up a little bit, too, because you hear the defense talk about finishing. We need to finish. They know they didn't finish that game against the Giants, and hopefully they remember that tomorrow when they take the field against Green Bay and Brett, and I always want to say Brett Favre. I know. Uh, Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers. The one, uh, the other thing, you beat the Giants, and now you're 10-3, and three, yeah. and you're actually in the mix for home field uh, bye in right. the first round, or yep. uh, bye in the first round. Plus, you beat and the Rams. Home field advantage. Yeah. You beat the Rams, you get a first round bye, you had that opportunity right there for you. So, again, you got to remember, this is a year not nobody expected the Bears to be as good as they are this year. Even after the, you didn't hear the cuts we played of Tom Waddle and of Yurko, neither one of them said Super Bowl. No, well, no, nobody They're smart said enough it. because they played the game. They know how tough it is to get a, to go from worst in the division to first in the division, much less worst in the division to a Super Bowl contender. But, as Lewis Riddick threw it out today, uh, this week with Waddle and Sylvie, he thinks that the Bears' defense is good enough that they are a Super Bowl contender. Three three two three seven seven six. We'll get right back to the phones when we come back. Need your vote uh, either live on the radio or you can vote at ESPN 1000. The main reason the Bears are 9-4 and four, Owner George McCaskey, he brought in Ryan Pace. Ryan Pace, he made the trades. Uh, Matt Nagy, well, he's Matt Nagy, or, or the players. And going to throw this in when we return. The one thing that still scares me the most about the Bears, and I'll give you a little preview right here. His name's uh, Cody uh, Parkey. The I was going to say wide left. Field goal kicker. Yeah. Vote now. He's going to win a playoff game. He's going to lose a playoff game, or neither. And I think it was under. I think it was under the radar how devastating it could have been at that moment when he missed that field goal late in the game. We'll explain why and more baseball at eleven o'clock. Jesse with the Cubs and Scott Merkin with the White Sox. Glad you're with us, Murph and Fred. Voted ESPN one thousand. Fred Hubner back together on ESPN 1000 uh-huh. and the ESPN. That's us. Halfway home, Murph and Fred. Beautiful day. That's what people are telling us. Oh, it's gorgeous. I see people walking around with no coats on. Oh, boy. Let's get ready for baseball. A lot of it in the 11 o'clock hour with Jesse and Scott Murphy. Yeah, can't wait. So, uh, cover the Bears and, uh, Let's let's bring in. Uh... We cover the Bears like their opponents can't. <laughs> oh, that's good. You know, eleven. What the fans say? I'm very interested. The main reason the Bears are nine and four. Uh, vote for uh, well, the owner, the GM, the head coach, or the players. I don't have any idea, Fred, where this is going. You, you could almost 
I mean, you got to make the argument. George McCaskey, he brought in Ryan Pace. They finally made a good decision, it looks like, on the GM. Though a lot of people were cure- doubting that. Uh, before it, last year, they wanted to get rid of him. I know. Yeah. And... Uh, yeah, but then, uh, you know, who actually brought in Matt Nagy? I, well, of course, McCaskey had to sign off on it, but it looked like that was Ryan Pace's uh, fingerprints. Uh, uh, Nagy, the players, you know what? I'd be hard-pressed even where to vote on this. Uh, you almost have to say McCaskey from the top down, but, uh, you know, it's easy. All four. I, I could see this going 25% times four. You know, I don't know where it's going. Nah, I'm going Nagy. I know a lot of people nowadays. The genius. Yeah, a lot of people nowadays. Did I say Nagy? I mean, I didn't mean oh. Nagy. I meant Pace. Okay, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. A lot because I was saying a lot of people because of uh-huh. Nagy will say Nagy, but I I would say Pace. All right, it's all Pace's doings. <laughs> Eric, uh, uh, picking up the pace of the show with your help here. Go. All right, I hope it doesn't naggy too much. I though. like it. I hey, like there it. you go. Um, so only at the very bottom with 2%, not surprised, George McCaskey. Uh, that's why I not voted responsible. for him and help him out. Um, in third with 24% is Pace. Um, second with 29% is the players, and 45% is Nagy. The, the genius wins, right? Yeah. Yes, he does. Almost yeah. half. See, I love it. That's the way it is. Things are winning. You're winning, and the coach is important, I guess. Coach is making all the moves. Fred, right now, you're still holding back on him because you're waiting for the other shoe to fall and everything to no, no, fall no, apart. I, I, I love him as a coach. I think he does tremendous offense. The only thing I don't, the only thing I don't like about is, is some of the trick plays. And hopefully he doesn't pull one out in a, in a key situation and it doesn't work. You hate to say, well, we could have won if we would have had a play that wasn't a trick play and we would have won a game there. I know. So. But, but what about, and then we sort of covered this in the first hour. I have to. We have to look at him, don't we? As more than just the offensive, uh, crazy, mad scientist, uh, play schemer, play caller. He's shown that he's much, much more. Uh, uh, the players seem to love him. Uh, you know, Club Dub, the win, the Club W. Uh, <laughs> I know when they're winning, it's you know, it's really easy. Happy. Everybody's happy when you win. The Packers actually were enjoying themselves over the last several years. So are they, This year, not so much. Are they dancing in the locker room after the game? Because, obviously, they're winning. But are they winning because of Nagy? In other words, everyone's happy. Not just because they're winning, because they feel good. They got the vibe. This thing's growing. It's trending up. It might just be the beginning. Uh, the players, they're looking. Are they saying, Nagy, you know, this guy's... He's smart. He relates to us. We love him. We haven't scratched the surface yet. I don't want to just pigeonhole him, not that you were, into just looking at his play-calling ability and the wacky plays. Yeah. I I just, I think that the defensive players will all tell you that that Vic Fangio is more important to this team than... Well, than Matt Nagy is. So, see, he, you know, if you would have said which is more important, Vic right. Fangio or Matt Nagy, I got a feeling it would have oh. come out Fangio. Make a note for next week. Yeah. But see, Fangio did win this game as we broke down or tried to in the first hour by forcing back to back timeouts by Nagy the Rams. Uh, no. Fangio's defense right. confused the Rams' offense. Okay. They had to call there for back to back. 
timeouts with the ball as early as 11 minutes in the fourth quarter, which handcuffed them the rest of the game as the Bears ran the ball, worked the clock. The Rams had only one timeout and a two-minute warning in the final 10 minutes. And those two timeouts were because of the defensive schemes from Fangio. So you could. Uh, well, it wasn't even that. It was the whole game. He shut down everything. Well, of course. Yeah, I mean, he gave he, the the leading rusher in the league. He gave he allowed twenty eight yards. Oh, to good point. So, so in other words, it wasn't until 10, 11 minutes to go in the game when finally uh, the Rams panicked and had to call timeouts because you know what? We only had so many times left now to score twice. We're down by yeah. nine. So he might have wanted to call timeouts earlier. I uh, could have used him in the first half, though. Let's go to Tom in Forest Park is next on ESPN 1000. My, my Belmont Bunker Hill pals, man. Fred and Mike Grant, good to talk to you guys this What's morning. up, Tom? Hey, big Tom. Hey, listen, listen. You know, listen, this this new regime is slowing down from George McCaskey to, uh, to the GM pace, I mean, which was a little suspect in those early years, but... His picks are starting to pan out, and right down to Nagy. I mean, you got to give it to the coach. You got a young coach, a young team. I mean, it reminds me when Tom Landry got his start and uh, Chuck Noll got his. So, I mean, this is this is all good, and the players are are reflecting the picks and reflecting the tenure of where we want them to be. And we finally got a chance to break that ten six mold. I think so. Hmm. It's all good. So who do you, so you're voting just to recap? You're voting for George McCaskey is the main reason the Bears are nine you and four. You got it because he had to sign off, and we know Papa Bear be rolling if he knew he signed off on <laughs> sixty million to one player. <laughs> Tom, you and I must have been the only two that voted because it only accrued two uh, percent. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, call, Tom. Call again, Tom. Thanks. Take care. See Take you later. Care. Three three two three seven seven six. Let's There's not to... enough manholes in the city of Chicago to make up sixty million. Huh? Ruben, uh, it sounds like an old Beatles song. Nobody knows how many holes it takes to fill the Albert Hall. What? Oh, a Ruben from a Highland, Indiana. Hey, Ruben. Hey, what's going on, fellas? I want you guys to talk about uh, Harry Heastan as being the most underrated move the Bears made in the off season. Uh, I think he's the reason why the Bears are nine and four. You're nothing without your offensive line. I just want to hear you guys talk about that. Well, that uh, and, and Ruben, you're right. How about that interior offensive line, guard, center, guard? They did a great job sort of under the – I mean, yep. we all saw it, but it doesn't get much talk, does it? No, it doesn't. And, I mean, the guy made two uh, – look what he did at Notre Dame with Quentin Nelson, who's, who probably is going to end up being a Hall of Famer and maybe even Rookie of the Year this year. But, I mean, I think that's a move that nobody speaks on and nobody talks about. Oh, uh, so yeah, I, I, yeah. I would think he's the, he's the reason why they're nine and four. Yeah, you bring up a great point because not only uh, Nelson but also McGlinchey in San Francisco and Bears right. will get a chance to see him next week, and he's really good. But you all week long we talked about Aaron Donald, Aaron Donald, Aaron Donald. We didn't even see Aaron Donald in that game. No, he looked he looked average. Yeah, and he you know what else? Average. And Ruben, you're, you're a football guy. I can tell X's and O's like Fred. How about the pulling center? Now we all grew up with the pulling guard. We know what that is, but more and more. You're seeing white hair Ruben out there pulling, also, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's the guy's just he did a he's done a phenomenal job this year. And like I said, man, it's just good to hear uh, offensive line get talked. Not well, they should be talked about more, and it's because of <laughs> yeah, him, right? Yeah. Um, hey, Ruben, I got it. You played offensive line in high school, didn't you? 
Yeah. I know. Yeah, and see, Ruben, usually the only time in years past, the only time we heard the offensive line mention was when it was they, they had a false start or they got yeah. called for holding. They're not oh, doing, yeah. they're this, not doing this, that. This our fault. Yeah, they're not doing that this year. And now Kyle Long might be ready for playoffs or uh, game 16. Uh, but Witzman's, uh, Wisman, Witzman sort of held his own there, too. Uh, not holding, no pun in. Ruben, phone again. I like your angle, okay, buddy? Thanks, Ruben. Thanks, I appreciate it. Yeah, okay, three three two three seven seven six. You know what? I really was hoping in the draft, though I think, would you rather have had uh, the Notre Dame uh, lineman uh, Nelson. Nelson, Nelson? Thank you, Quentin Nelson. I was hoping he'd fall to the Bears. Uh, but now Roquan Smith. See, Roquan Smith, he sort of got, I don't want to say, lost in the shuffle the first few weeks. And why not? You know, he held out, right? right. Or whatever the phrase is yeah. these days. Late signing. But, yeah. I mean, I'm not comparing him to Erlacher, but he's got that speed. Left to right, sideline to sideline speed. Would you be better off right now with which of those guys? I, I'm still hard-pressed to make the decision between the big future, as Ruben said, Hall of Fame uh, alignment. Yeah. But Roquan well, Smith's pretty good. If I'm not mistaken, Roquan Smith leads the Bears in tackles. So Yeah, um, I believe you're right. He's yeah, everywhere. Not a bad move for them uh, to make sure he was there. Uh, Glenview, let's go to Jimbo next. Jimbo, it's easy. SPN 1000. Hello. Hey, go Bears. Go Bears. Go Bears. Um, I think it's pace, and I think the reason it's pace is you got all these people calling in saying it's Fangio, saying it's Harry, saying it's Nagy, it's Khalil Mack. You know, Pace made all those moves. He built this team. He could have hired Di Filippo, who just got canned up in Minnesota, but right. he went with Pace. Yeah. Or, or he went with Nagy, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, no, you bring up a good point. I, I think it was Pace because not only his moves this year, but his moves last year. There's a great article that Dan Wiederer has in tomorrow's Tribune talking about what the Bears did by going out and grabbing guys like, you know, James Daniels and also um, Cohen, you know, Tariq Cohen. Guys that they've grabbed in later rounds in the draft that have, yeah, were questioned at the time, but have made huge uh, differences for this team. He also had the cojones to make the Mac deal, which was yep. which was brilliant. Good to hear from you, Jimbo. Thanks, buddy. Call again. Glenview checking Bear down. in. Bear down. <laughs> well, one thing bothered me a lot, and it, you know, you win the game, and just like one. You always say things you get sort of brushed off to the side. So the field goal kicker. Uh, here's our uh, Twitter poll right now. Let's bring in for the uh, updated results, Eric Ostrowski. Uh In the playoffs, Bears field goal kicker Cody Parkey, good old number one, will win a game, lose a game, or neither. It was really devastating what he did in this game. They're up 15-9, Fred, late in the game. I think we got about two, three minutes left in the game. And, uh, well, we know nothing's a chip shot anymore. But when you're up by nine, the, the other team only has to score twice, right? Yeah. Seven plus three, and they win the game. But you get that last field goal, and instead of 15-9 up by nine, you're up by 12. That means two touchdowns right. to beat you. No other way. So here's the chip shot and the look on Nagy's face. He really, you know, coaches know, don't show any emotion. You can tell. He wasn't like throwing things mad. He was just like that anguish. Oh, I can't believe it. Because this would have certainly locked it up. Cody Parkey comes in and tries to make it a 12-point game, 38-yard attempt. Parkey, oh no! 
No good. Looks like it was going to hit the upright. Well, at least he didn't doink it. Right. That may be the first one he's missed that hasn't hit an upright. Right, a, a clear miss. A clear miss. So the Rams get it down by nine, but no timeouts left for yeah. L.A. Instead of 12, it's nine, which maybe, oh, we're up by nine, big deal. I'm telling you, this guy's going to kill us, and I hope he does. And what the fans say, EO 11, how do fans vote in postseason? And, of course, we're assuming postseason. Don't get me wrong. Uh, in postseason, Parkey will win a, a playoff game, lose a playoff game, or neither. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm guessing neither is the runaway vote here. Pretty much. So 22% say that he will lose a game. 31% say he'll win a game, then just about half, 47% say neither will happen. Oh, just so positive. Please, please, I hope you're all right. Uh, we'll get back to the phones, Murph and Fred. Bears talk, 11 o'clock, we shift to baseball. Jesse Cubs and uh, Scott the American Sox, busy day. Glad you're with us. You know what the Bears remind me of almost? It's almost like a college team, the way they celebrate after games. Is it a little annoying that Club Dub last for like 15 minutes and you know he gets a, you're like like okay guys let's get in the locker room let's get going mm-hmm. but the fact that that Nagy has instilled this culture I cannot begin to tell you how dead that building was under the old head coach <laughs> there was no fun there was no enthusiasm and you know what there was no accountability either what this head coach has done is he has changed everything Man, Miss a little, miss a lot. And what he said was, uh-huh. you know, the club dub happens at Soldier Field after a win. Yes. What he was saying is not only that, but he has also changed the entire atmosphere in the room at Hallis Hall. He's he's changed the entire atmosphere in the building up there. It's a lot different up there. Um, everyone's pulling the rope the same way, and that, that's important for all teams. Well, that's why, Exactly, Fred. That's why I'm calling him a, a genius, because I don't want to just look at his wacky, if you want to call it, offensive scheming, and that will mad scientist. Seems like he's got a pretty good handle up and down and around uh, the entire uh, game of football. On that topic, uh, Oaklawn Tom, I think, wanted to jump in next. Hey, Tom. Hey, good morning, guys. Uh, Hi. Big fan. Hey, uh, you know what I wanted to say? I've been listening, and you were talking about uh, uh, that time with Cody Parkey, whatever. I, uh, with uh, with Nagy holding back emotion, whatever. I love that we have a coach with that shows emotion on the sideline. It's been, like you were in that last report, it's been dead. It's been boring. They haven't been relevant. And now we have a team. I don't know where this is going. Hopefully all the way. But, man... I am just so freaking excited about tomorrow. I hope we beat the snot out of the Packers. Uh, division champs. I mean, this is absolutely crazy. It's fun. I don't know. I'm just I, Nagy, I think, I love the guy. I, I, I like the way he handles He's himself. He's a genius, he Tom. He's a genius. Well, yeah. No, I, he, hey, I, he's got my vote. I'm just saying it's, <laughs> it's so refreshing to have a relevant football team, especially being that we are the home of the Chicago Bears, and it, it should be like this all the time, and hopefully it stays like this for many, 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 many years. And a victory. Thank you, uh, thank you Tom. Thanks, Tom. Victory tomorrow, and the Bears clinch the one thing, NFC North. The one thing you have to realize is a good coach doesn't win you games. Good players, along with a good coach, and a good scheme, and a good offense, and a good defense, that wins you games. 
that's when you win games. So you can't, you know, there, you know, who's the biggest reason? Well, Nagy wouldn't be Nagy without the defense. The defense wouldn't be the defense without Fangio. Fan, you know, it, it all has to be. That's why it's a team. That's why they always tell you it's fifty-three guys. It's all fifty-three guys pulling on the same rope, pulling the same way. So, so if Jim Boylan ran the uh, Bears. Hey, if you give anybody this kind of talent, <laughs> if you give anybody this kind I, of talent, what I'm saying I is, what I'm, I, I did not say that every anybody can manage this team. Okay. I said it's a team that Nagy wouldn't be Nagy without the players he has. The players he has wouldn't be them without Fangio and Nagy. It all has to work t- together yeah. in order to get a, a winning team. Billy is next on ESPN 1000. Hey, Billy. Hey, how are you? Hey, buddy, jump in. Go. Um, uh... I'm from Jersey. I'm a Bear fan since 1972. Um, I was at the game against the Giants, and um, uh, the result wasn't that great. But, you know, you know, you mentioned about Parky. I think more of the question is, and I hate to be a downer because I love what's going on, yeah. but how about our quarterback possibly blowing a playoff game? I mean, Mitchell, I, I still – the other night they won. It was fantastic. Our quarterback had nothing to do with the win against the Rams. He had nothing to do with it. Right. And um, I just don't trust him. I want to trust him so bad, but I can't do it. So, excuse me, let me, let, me, let me jump in for time, but stay on the line, Billy. What you're saying is, how about a Twitter poll question with a different name on it? Uh, playoffs, Bears quarterback Mitch Trubisky will, uh, A, win a game, B, lose a game, or neither. You'd like to see that run through next time. Is that what you're saying? It would be nice. Okay. And I, All right. We will do can that. I, can I say this real quick? Go. Where Pace is concerned, yeah. I think he's done a really good job. But there was Leonard Floyd just started to show up recently. Right. I believe Kevin White was drafted by him. And I'm sorry, when I look at your Bisky plan and I see Patrick Mahomes, I just can't feel like we could have had him and not given up any draft choices. So I ain't going to put a crown on everybody just yet. Billy, call anytime. I love your passion, and I love your accent. You go, no, Murph, you got the accent, not me. <laughs> Billy, <laughs> Thanks, got, Billy, got a blast off. Thanks, buddy. There goes go Bears. Bill, go Bears from New Jersey. Murph and Fred back in a flash. Baseball next. Cubs and Sox talk with Jesse Rogers, Scott Merkin. and then we'll get back on the Bears beats ESPN 1000. Dame football. This is ESPN 1000. Broadcasting live from the State Street Studio. We are WMVP AM Chicago. Uno, dos, one, two, tres, cuatro. Murph, Fred. One minute away from Jesse Rogers. Hope you're having a great day. Looks nice outside. We'll be outside ourselves in about an hour or so. Murph and Fred. Fred, we're going to talk White Sox in about 10 uh, minutes. Uh, that'll be your time to visit with our buddy Scott Merkin. And, oh, of White course. Sox have been busy all week. Oh, yeah. Bringing players in, signing players, all kinds of stuff. I know. Making trades. Unlike the uh, team on the north side, covered by Jesse Rogers. North side, Jesse's a winner. At least that's what he said in Vegas. I don't believe him. You ever notice, Jesse, Fred, they never tell, guys never tell you how much they lost. I, I 
21,000 at the tables. Yeah, the night before they lost three grand and don't tell you. Hi, Jesse. I won a thousand, Murph. Who knew? Thanks, <laughs> <laughs> to Jesse Rogers back from uh, Las Vegas, Lost Wages, as they used to call it, uh, coming yep. to your winter meetings, which, uh, by the way, uh, I don't think there'll ever be winter meetings anymore. The more I think about it, there's no reason for the winter meetings. The general managers, I've been at winter meetings in Nashville and uh, I think Indianapolis a few years back. The general managers, Jesse, as you probably know better than anybody, 30 teams, 30 different hotel suites. You know, the Reds are over there on the 32nd floor. They're over there. To, these general managers never leave the room, unlike even just 10 years ago and for 100 years. Fred, you know, the only way to get together all the different teams, be it 16 back in the day, the original 16, uh, instead of thousands of phone calls, you know, back in the day, uh, they'd go to the winter meeting right. and they'd all be down at the, at the tavern making up uh, trades and talking. And uh, that way you could jump around and get your best deals. But Jesse, those days are over. Did you ever, how many general managers did you really see walking around? Maybe I'm off base. Yeah, no, no, you're you're on you're in the right direction. Let me tell you a couple stories. Uh, you do see them more at night, having a cocktail, relaxing. You don't see a ton of them. You know, you do see them. You know, uh, walking over to a meeting room. You know, they have meetings, and then you could grab one. But it, you're right; it's not like the old days. In fact, Tim Kirchner was telling me he went to his first winter meetings in Hawaii. Oh, I, I don't remember the year, 1970 something. And of course, all the GMs would be milling downstairs because. There were no cell phones. There were no big suites. They were all hanging around. In fact, uh, Scott Nelson, you know, you know that name, Murph. Sure, Nelly. He worked for the Cubs. Yeah, his job was to stay back in the suite because obviously the hotels did have phones in the rooms, and he'd have to just wait in the room in case he had to take a message while the GMs were down at their meetings or milling around or yeah. whatever. So that was his lone job, to take messages. Now they do meet in each other's suite. In fact, one day we were walking to, towards uh, – uh, Theo Suite, because reporters are allowed once a day into the suite to interview uh, Theo or Jed. So as we're walking down the hall, uh, who sticks his head out of the suite right next door to Theo? It's Andrew Friedman, ah. the, the, the the president of the Dodgers, and he was just looking around for somebody. But they do meet with the within each other's suite to to go over trade proposals and stuff like that. So. We may not see them, but certainly they see each other. Well, it's almost like uh, something nefarious going on where they have to, they look out. Okay, there's no Jesse in the hallway. I'm going to run over to the Yankee suite. But if they, if you see him, go, hey, Yankees are talking to the Dodgers. So they got to watch themselves. Well, that could, uh, that could have been what was happening. Cause I swear to God, Friedman looked down the hall at us, <laughs> looked the other way, looked at us. Looked the other way, and as I was going into Theo's suite, I looked one more time, and he was looking down at us. So maybe he was waiting for the reporters to go inside so he could jump over to somebody else's uh, suite, uh, uh, someone else's team that, that, that he didn't want reporters to see. I don't know. But uh, it, it is interesting how it has evolved, and obviously your, your essential point is right. With cell phones and all that stuff and video conferencing, you really don't need one place for everybody to meet. But it, it doesn't hurt because there's also all the agents and everything like that as well. Jesse, we're going to flip over in a few minutes to the White Sox, so we only have you on a short fuse today. But before we quick get to the Cubs, one last thought in general. You, you know what? With And, and you know, I love 
analytics, metrics. Jesse, let the record show. Way back in the early days of Sports Talk Radio, you were like my great producer, first one I, I had. And we had John Dewan on when no one knew, knew what stats or numbers. He started a fledgling company, Stats Incorporated. So, I mean, this is nothing uh, old man Murph with analytics, no. But let me tell you something. One of the reasons I believe, and you and Fred can comment, that there's no trades right now, very few signings, is analytics. And here's why. There's 30 major league teams. They've all got like the same information on every guy out there. They all got the same value set for DJ LeMayu, a free agent. They all have the same value set for Jose Abreu, who maybe we'll find out more, you know, maybe on the trade market. Point is, no longer does someone have a, no general manager goes, you know, I got a gut feeling. I'm going to outbid everyone for DJ. Or I got a gut feeling Abreu. He's going to have a big year. I'm going to offer more than anybody else. The 30 general managers, fellas, and this is just me, they're all thinking now, we all got a value on this guy. I don't want to exceed the value because then I look like a dummy, you know, a uh, uh, millennial dummy or a, a baby boomer dummy, you know. But do you think that's one of the reasons there's more gridlock the last few years? Because everyone has the set number and they don't want to overstep. 100%. There's group think out there. That was the key word that I've been hearing over the last couple of years, group think. And it's a form of collusion that they can get away with because they can blame it on the computers and stuff. And not only that, I'll go one step further, Murph. All these executives think the same way because they also all went to Harvard or an right. Ivy League school. It's not, any, it's not diverse anymore. They're all the smartest guys in their classes in the smartest schools in the country. Um, and, they all, you know, it's just crazy how it's changed. It's not the old boy network anymore. It's, it's basically the, the Ivy League network that become yeah. a, a baseball yeah. executive. So that's part of the group think as well. So, yes, that's all part of the reason for the, for the gridlock, there, there's more to it. I think it's there, there's a few layers to it, but that's certainly one. We need we need more GMs from Southern Illinois University, or like Ned Coletti went to Northern Illinois University. And and I'll tie this up with this, Fred, uh, Jesse. If you if a general manager makes baseball makes all his moves based on analytics. Then you have no accountability when you're wrong. In other words, you go, oh, what? the numbers said, D you know, like Theo's first trade. You know, oh, the numbers said DJ LeMay was no good. But Ian Stewart, the numbers said he was good. What was I to do? What my fault? And I'm over, you know, exemplifying here. But you know what I'm saying, fellas? If you got all the numbers and all the deals are made by just the numbers, then you can hide behind them and say, and not my fault. I did what the numbers told me to do. Now, I, I do think we're being a little bit extreme because I, I, I talked to Jed and Theo, and I, and I remember telling you guys this a long time ago. Like, I was surprised that Theo talks as much as he did early on when I got to know him about the heartbeat of a locker room, the heartbeat of a player, hmm. and that pro, pro scouts are still important. Not as important as they used to be, but the best GMs, I think, and Theo would say this, are combine it all. Combine the analytics with, with, with the pro scouting eye and the video and everything else. And I think that's where you end up with some of the better players. But, but you're not wrong. I think we agree the analytics sort of run the course. Right. They run the game. They run the yeah. game half the time. Absolutely. Yeah, five of the general managers were together for a special on MLB Network last week called Business and Baseball. And they all admitted they've all got the same numbers. The numbers that are out there, the analytics are out. They've all got them. They've all got WOBA. They've all got, you know, ball off bat, ball in play. They've all got all those launch. They got them all. So it's how they look at those numbers and how they use those numbers then to make the moves they decide to move. No doubt about it. 
and it, and, it, and it's you know the difference is also what what can they bring out in the player that maybe the numbers don't show. I think that's also right. you know uh, we have a hitting coach, we have a manager that can that can get more out of them, and that's where you see one team maybe pull the trigger and overpay or whatever the case may be. I leave you with this, uh, Jesse. I think uh, most of the fans know the uh, Cubs rumors going around. Last week, uh, well, they did have money. They were bluffing. The week before that, they don't have money. The week before <laughs> that, they do have money. So which week is this now? They don't have money again. Is that where we are? Yes, it's bargain shopping. <laughs> it's bargain shopping. Uh, I just, uh, you know, I know you don't have a lot of time. Every single time I talk to anybody in the game in the winter meetings, if if the name was was a smaller name, bargain shopping type of name, the Cubs seem to be interested. Anybody I talk to, an agent, an executive that I brought up a bigger name from DJ LeMahieu on up, no, no Cubs have no money. So, right. so again, uh, it just it, it, that's the way it went, went down. So expect bargain shopping, yeah. uh, especially in the reliever group. I think. Mm. Uh, and then the you know trade wise, they're not going to pick up salary. If anything, they'll shed, shed it. You know what? You said shed, right? Yeah, it's shed. You know what? Here's what's happening, in my opinion, and the same thing happened to Mister Theo in Boston. Uh, He had the six horrible free agent signings, and eventually they said the checkbooks closed. Bye bye. Now you can't tell me that as much money as might be rolling through that Tom Ricketts eventually doesn't say, "Look at all the money. The checkbook is no longer open." And the other thing I don't even understand. I understand the luxury tax, fellas, but what I don't understand, it's only I believe uh, a, a pers- like ten percent. So if you tack on ten million, that's or maybe it's fifteen percent, whatever. So if you go ten million over the luxury tax, that's one point five million penalty. Now I know eventually can lose a draft pick. I think they're putting a squeeze play on Theo and saying, all right, genius, let's see. And not to be confused with Matt Nagy, my new genius, Jesse. But I think they're saying, all right, Theo, no more checkbook for you. No checkbook for you. And uh, let's see what you can do. Maybe I'm wrong. What do you think? No, I, I think that's part of it. I also think there's some complicated math when it comes to to revenues and expenses that that worked uh, that is working against Theo in the front office this offseason. Does that make sense to you? The way I put it in in in, uh, in print was basically or online was you know Theo's been asked to not you know not to buy the gourmet coffee this year because the expenses were too high. So you know what I mean? Like there's there's a simple budget in, in involved here that involves expenses and revenues that are not working in his favor. But I think we all agree they are making money hand over fist. But Maybe it's, there's it's, his own, it's his own fault for all the lousy free agent yeah. signings. Yeah, I think in his heart of hearts he knows that. Oh, yeah. I think in his heart of hearts he knows he's gonna that. Try to, he's going to try to turn this around and, and make it look like Ricketts and Crane Kenny's fault. Here's a, here, I just, for all the Cub fans out there, just listen to these. Hamels at 20 million, Chatwood at 14, Morrow at 9, Darvish at 20, and throw Hayward in there for 20. That's 83 million for five players. 83 million. <laughs> that did very little last year, uh, other than when Morrow was healthy. Right. Yeah. But, but I also go to the other side of the equation. It is enough to win, um, as is, and there is, think about this, more underachieving players on that team than yep. overachieving. I truly still believe that. Maybe Hayward has found his level, but I still think there's more in Schwarber, more in Elmora, even more in Baez, and certainly more in Bryant showed last year. So I, I go back and forth. There's no reason they can't increase the payroll, but there's also no reason this team can't rebound. Just because the offense was broke last year doesn't mean it will be it will be broken again. But 
I would feel better like everyone else if they did add to it. One last thing for me, Jess. It seems like Schwarber's going to be here. They love Schwarber. It's like they're, they're, they're youngster. But so that, does that mean Hap and Almora, Hap or Almora are going to be gone when the season starts? No, I, I, yeah, I mean, I don't know, but I don't think Schwarber is in some untouchable category. I, uh, I don't, don't know. know if that's been some, I don't know if that's been some narrative. No, I think, I, I think he's in the same category as anybody else. If, okay. it, if the deal is right, they would move him. So I would suspect one of those guys you mentioned, uh, and including Schwarber, is gone because if, he, if, if they're not gone, then the same exact team is coming back because we're pretty sure they're not trading KB, Baez, or Bryant. So what's left? Probably not Zobrist either. So it's Almora, Schwarber, Half. Those are the guys that right. are trade candidates. Well, before, so yes, I would think one. I think one of them would be gone before the elusive new TV deal, which you don't hear anything about. They better not right. finish third behind St. Louis and Milwaukee. Jesse, you're the best, so we can plan on Descalso at second instead of Jade uh, instead of DJ Lemayo. That's beautiful. That's just what I need under my Christmas tree. Uh, Descalso, <laughs> these guys, unbelievable. I'd rather have Jesse's famous book. Try not to try not to suck. Actually, you'd rather have Tommy LaStella at second base. No, I'd rather yeah, DJ there you go. God love everybody. I don't know what Jesse's going to do without Tommy LaStella for Jesse, Christmas. you're the best. That's what I tell everybody. Thanks, man. I tell everybody the same. Thank you, guys. See you, Jess. Jesse and the Cubs. Yeah. Let's go over now to uh. White Sox talk. Let's bring it from MLB. White room near the station. Thirty fifth Street stop. Dan Ryan L. Let's bring in Scott Merkin from MLB. Follows the White Sox. Murph here along with Fred. Hey Scott. Hey, it's a real honor to follow Jesse Rogers. Been reading him since I was a kid. <laughs> yeah, just don't follow him too close. He'll stop, and then you'll run into him, and you know how that goes. I'm going to bring in Fred Hubner, White Sox expert. Go ahead, Fred. Hey, Scott, the White Sox fans, it's not like they went to the winter meetings and did nothing. They came away with Ivan Nova, and in the last day or two, they got up with James McCann. But last night is a head-scratcher. Um, they they make a deal for Yonder Alonso, a left-handed hitter, 23-83 and 83 last year, home runs and RBIs. He plays first base in DH. Does that mean that they have a move for somebody? I mean, because last I checked, Jose Abreu was still here for another year, and it seemed like like, like they liked Daniel Palco. Right. So, you know, at the moment, without assuming any other moves one way or the other, you know, they've, they've done a nice – job piecing together some things. Nova's a good addition, you know, to kind of stabilize that rotation. I really like the addition of uh, Alex Colomay. Yeah. For, you know, a catcher, Omar Narvaez, who had a good year, but he really had a good month and a half, and maybe did find something, and maybe will be great for Seattle. But I think it's a move they could make there. And then, you know, McCann's a good backup piece in the catching ranks, but Alonzo's interesting because, like you said, they do have Palka, they do have Abreu, and Alonzo, if I have the numbers right, I think played 139 games at first in DH twice. Right. And that's pretty much the MO for Abreu. Abreu has, you know, been very honest and very forthright that he's not a big fan of DHing. Now, I do know Jose Abreu is a great team guy and wants to win. So, you know, I think he'll be more amenable if they flip it out. But now, if they add, you know, let's just say as an example, Bryce Harper, or if they add another outfielder, then it'll be interesting because. There's no point in platooning Palka and Alonzo as a DH together. They're both left-handed hitters. As of right now, though, I guess you know Palka would pencil in as one of your outfielders at least to start the season. If nothing, if no other move was made, Palka would be. And Palka had a great year last year. He really had a great he finish did. to the year, especially. And if you know if you have him out there, you have maybe Palka, Engel, and Delmonico right now until Eloy Jimenez is ready. So right now they all fit. 
But as Rick Hahn, I'm sure, will say when we talk to him later today, you know, it's December, which is now 15th. There's a long way to go before spring training starts. Yeah, there is a long way to go. Uh, should anybody look anything into the fact that uh, Alonzo is uh, Manny Machado's brother-in-law? <laughs> well, I think you can't help but look into it, right? I mean, <laughs> I, I think it's there. You know, yeah. it, just, it just makes sense that it's there and that they're, you know, reportedly meeting with Machado this week. And they are close. It's not like they're just related and don't speak once in a while. For, I mean, I don't know either one of them before when I've been told they're they are close. They're, you know, they work together and everything else. So it's interesting they put that in there. You know, I think there's certain narratives. I, well, I really do believe that these, you know, big-time free agents, more than maybe some of the guys who have lesser options, but as Rick Hahn would say, premium or elite free agents like Harper and Machado, I think they go into this process knowing where they want to go. You know, I think they go to their right. agent and say, these are the two teams I want to go to. And maybe one of them was the White Sox, who knows? But if it's not your team, then you really have to go all out to kind of make it palatable to be your team, right? So, you know, to kind of, especially if one of those teams that they might be interested in also has interest in them. So, you know, it's, it's, it's been such a, there's been so much information and misinformation that's come out over these last few months. It'll be good when they actually sign because it's just, it's, it's, I don't want to say time. I can't even imagine what it is for the White Sox front office, let alone for us because they're going through the process. But it's, it's interesting in one way, but it's also just kind of seems elongated at this point. But it'll be interesting to see where they finally pick. With all these rumors with, you know, earlier in the week, Jim Bowden saying that uh, the White Sox were the front runner for Bryce Harper and then the Manny Machado stuff and things like that. If the season begins and the White Sox don't have either of them, should White Sox fans be upset? You know, it's interesting. I think Jim Bowden said the White Sox were the front runners the same day that Bob Nightingale, who I, you know, I have great respect for, tweeted out that morning that they were going to meet with both of them, but they didn't think they were the front runner in either one of them. So it's interesting to see what's going, what's getting out there and what's going to remember. I, you know, I think White Sox fans, because there's been so much publicity, and not from the White Sox. The White Sox, right. you have to understand, have not spoken about these guys by name at all. You know, Rick Hahn has talked in broad strokes about having a seat at the table and how great it is that, you know, be there where they should be, you know. So I think White Sox fans' expectations have been raised and lowered and raised and lowered again. So if they don't get either one, I'm sure Sox fans will, you know, not be thrilled. But remember, as Rick Hahn rightfully has stressed, the rebuild process does not end as on February 13th when they report for spring training. This is an ongoing thing. You know, look at the Cubs, look at the Astros, look at the Royals. It does, you know, I remember the Cubs offseason where they were in negotiations with Anibal Sanchez and fell short on him and ended up getting Edwin Jackson. And right. then I think the next offseason was when they got Lester, right? And then it really started clicking. So it takes time. So, yeah, they'd lo- they obviously would love to have either one of these guys if they're in the mix for them. They're not there just to sharpen their negotiating skills. They're pretty good at that already. But if they don't get them, people have to understand mm. there's the trade deadline. There's the offseason. There's still time to build this team. Well, you know, uh, Scott Burke and MLB will follow the White Sox. Uh, you know, Rick Hahn, uh, uh, the Ivy League guys, we're talking about all the GMs now, you know, he can always recycle one of Theo's uh, recycled lines. Uh, progress is not linear. Uh, Murph and Fred talk a little White Sox. Now, Sports Talk Radio, as you well know, Scott, uh, is fun because we can do the, uh, you know, what ifs. So we have a Twitter poll out there. Uh, you don't have to vote, obviously, though you can. But let's bring in EO11. Our Twitter poll active right now for the White Sox talk is, what if the Sox do sign Harper? Would it be the biggest Sox moment since the 2005 World Series? Yes or no? Let's bring in some votes. Now we know Cub fans can always sabotage a vote. But uh, what are the fans saying? Uh, or Fred, uh, would you like to I'd take say up? no. 
Not the biggest. Not the biggest. Since two, all right, well. I don't know what would be, but I don't think this is the <laughs> no, biggest. No, wait a minute. You can't do that. Yeah. You can't. <laughs> Scott, what do you think the fans say uh, well, on this? First of all, it's, it's Chicago, so vote early, vote often, okay, right, on, the, on that poll. Uh-huh. But, but I disagree with Fred. I think Harper would be, I, I, you know, I haven't covered this team. I've covered this team for almost two decades. I've been in Chicago my whole life. I think Harper arguably is the biggest move in franchise history. I mean, you're talking about a brand name guy for a team that for a team going through rebuild, building you know what they hope is many brand name guys, but a guy who kind of, even though Rick said it wouldn't be a validation of the rebuild until they're they have a parade, you know, a championship parade, right? It kind of validates things right away. And we're not talking about a guy who's like a good player. You know, they added they've added guys like David Robertson and Adam Dunn and. Uh, Melky Cabrera sure. and Jeff Samarja, all very solid players in their own right, very good careers. But we're talking about a 26-year-old free agent who's, you know, a kind of a seminal talent. And I, I think if they got him, it would be. It, I can't think of a bigger. I mean, Fred, when's the what's the last player they had of that ilk? I mean, Sale is great. Sale is one of the best pitchers in the game. Carlton Fisk. Carlton Fisk. Carlton Fisk. Carlton Fisk. And Frank Thomas was a draft, right. but I think Frank Thomas would fall in that category too, right? Well, I mean, about and it. Sale maybe on the on the borderline of that other category. Yeah, I'm mean, probably for the White Sox. Their their biggest signing was you know going on out and outbidding people for Abreu, I guess, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know? yeah, yeah. Abreu was a great find, and not only was you know he had a great move by the Sox, but he has turned out to be just a great piece of that organization overall how he fits in there. But again, we're not talking, you know, hypothetically, eight years, two hundred and forty million or ten years, three hundred and forty million, who knows what the deal is eventually gonna be. But yeah, I think Murph is right. I think Fisk would be in this care. I I guess Albert Bell becoming the yeah. first, what, ten million a year free agent would right. be in there. But <laughs> I think even bigger than that would be you would hope at least the signing itself. Uh, and who knows how it plays out know, after that. Yeah the, would be Bryce Harper. The only thing that gets me about the whole Bryce Harper thing is over the last three years, his war combined over the last three years is between Scooter Jeanette's and Ben Zobrist. The White Sox want to spend that kind of money on it. I know he's 26 now. Whoa! He had his first, he had a big year in 2015. He hasn't had one since. Last year wasn't bad, but he, he's not the guy that deserves the kind of money they're talking about. And just because he's 26 and pretty up pretty good numbers, I don't think he deserves that kind of money. Well, what if you could get him for five million? Well, I would make the deal, you know, and someone else mentioned it earlier this week. No, someone else mentioned earlier this week that uh-huh. I would make him a short-term deal, a four or five-year deal with outs after that, so then he can get another deal when he's 30 if he wants. Well, Coletti started that, Scott. Remember with uh, Raphael for a call. Uh, Jim Henry. Right, yeah, got- I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not sure on the exact vernacular on this. I mean, there's going to be opt-outs and deferrals and all sorts of things and probably performance-enhanced things or performance I shouldn't say performance hands, performance bonuses right. and that kind of thing. Watch it, but, watch it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, but I mean, I, you know, I, I don't, I haven't watched every moment of Bryce Harper's career, but I mean, he's an electric kind of talent, and I get the whole war thing and the whole numbers thing, but I, I do think he is him. And, and, you know, Machado, I think Machado's being overlooked because there's just been so much focus on Harper early on, but he's the same kind of skilled guy. Now, the, the thing is, as Rick pointed out also in, in Las Vegas, there's more work to be done. You know, Bryce Harper and Manny Machado were great talents on really good teams and never won a championship in Washington or Baltimore. Exactly. You know, that, that Washington team that lost to the Cubs in 17 probably was the best team in the National League that year, right? And they didn't, and they didn't advance past the first yep. round. So it's, and they know that. The Sox know that if they somehow get these guys, 
they're not going to sit back, light up cigars, and say, okay, we're done, let's throw it on the field and see what happens. They're going to be constantly building and constantly tinkering. But I think it does make a difference having a guy, as long as he fits the whole process and fits what they're trying to build, what Ricky Rentry is trying to run, and that sort of thing. Uh, I think it makes sense. Let's see what the fans said. EO11, if the Sox do sign Harper, biggest White Sox moment since the 2005 World Series. It's going to be 99 uh, one way and me the other way. Now some Cub fans will sabotage. Some Cub fans will sabotage. What do we got, Eric? Close, Fred. There was probably like seven people that voted with you. It's 85% (laughs) saying yes. This would be the largest moment since... uh, 2005 World Series. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I kind of figured. Hey, Scott, great to visit with the little hot stove. Hope uh, to catch up with you uh, before spring training, certainly. And uh, we always appreciate your time, my friend. Anytime, guys. Look forward to talking to you soon. Uh, Thanks, Scott. Scott Merkin over at MLB covers the White Sox. Let's get back on the Bears beat. Murph and Fred, every Saturday, 9 till noon. We may even uh, bleed over till about, what, 10 after 12 today yeah. before we uh, go to uh, yeah, something. I, I got one thing I want to say about what was done earlier this week. Yeah. Uh, with the Hall of Fame. All right, good. Real quickly when we come back. All right, Harry, you going to talk about Lee Smith? Yeah. And Harold. Yeah. Murphy Lee Smith's got to figure out how to button his jersey. ESP, I saw that picture, 1,000. Fan, um, liked Harold Baines, saw him hit three home runs in a game, uh, saw him slowly go after the ball in the outfield, and I never thought he was a Hall of Famer. Uh, he had 2,800 hits. The problem is that once he got in the Hall of Fame, now he's getting bashed big time. And that's wrong. Because, you know, if he deserves to get in the Hall of Fame or he doesn't deserve to get in the Hall of Fame, that almost, that almost isn't even the question anymore. He wasn't campaigning no, for it. not at all. He wasn't campaigning. Jerry Reinsdorf was, and he was on the committee to put him in. And Tony. And Tony LaRussa, who was on the committee to put him in. Um, but... There were other guys that could have said no to Harold Baines. And uh, a lot of people give a lot of respect to Harold Baines, saying he was... Some people said he was the best DH that's ever been around. That's a little bit of a stretch, if you ask me. But uh, the White Sox have another Hall of Famer. Congratulations to Harold Baines. I don't think he belongs, but they didn't ask me. They asked enough people who put him in. Congratulations. Yeah, if people want to criticize anyone, criticize, like you said, the voters who did not say no. Yeah. Don't yeah. criticize Harold Baines. There's no reason to criticize him. Uh, people are going to call, you know, call him out. He's already doing an autograph signing. I saw this weekend, I think, and has more power to him. Yeah. He's not the most talkative guy in the world. I was covering uh, the locker room one time. He hit three homers in a game, and I went up to him. We were asking him about yeah. hitting three home runs, and he yeah. has a, he said, "I was just doing my job." Yeah. Now my math skills were not quick enough, but if that was his job, I was going to ask him. Okay, well, you should hit the three times one sixty two. You should have like no, no. you should have like three hundred eighty some homers a year. Then <laughs> that, that's a that's a. It's an awful response to Almost a question like that. About 480 or something. Yeah. It's an awful response to a question like that. I'm just doing my job. You're just doing your job. What happens in the days you don't hit three home runs? So anyway. You know, Lee Smith. He's a tremendous, he re- tremendous ball player. When he player. retired, he was the all-time save leader. I think he's only third now. I think he's only fallen to third. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He was the all-time save leader when, when he retired. So hopefully about 3 o'clock tomorrow. The Bears uh, run down into Club Dub, uh, W for a win. And uh, here we go now. They have their favorite. Evidently, every time at home when they win a game, they play uh, 
Swag surfing. All right, if this makes him happy. And Trubisky there, right in the front dancing. Not really the uh, Steve Fuller, if you remember the Super Bowl sh- a shuffle. Uh, a little better than that. Yeah. That was not good dancing. Remember that from the Super Bowl shuffle? No. Fuller, the backup quarterback. I hope this song's rocking for about 15 minutes. Something about swag. What are they saying there, Eric? They're riding their giant wave of swag. So, like, their swag is so big uh, they can surf on I it. I don't have to hit the dump button on you, do nope, I? Nope, swag is all good. There you go. <laughs> hit the dump button. Uh, good luck, Bears. In fact, the I got... giant wave of swag. The big Bears yellow pad here. Let's do a little Bears talk, Fred. Uh, let's see. Number one, Punter O'Donnell, right? Yep. I always forget his first name, so I call him Punter O'Donnell. And uh, was it just a week or two ago, I said, he never does the coffin kick. Never right. kicks out of bounds, a coffin corner uh, kick. He had four punts that I noted here. One went dead at the two. One went dead at the 17. One went dead. Oh, that might have been a fair catch, whatever. One went down at the 15 and one at the five. Not bad. Two, 17, five, and 15. So, punter O'Donnell uh, came back strong. Uh, how about this note? This was on uh, NBC on the uh, graphic during the game. Uh, or right after they uh, won the game to assure a winning record. Uh, you know, nine and seven is the worst they can do. Bears head coaches all time, right? So that goes back to 1920, George Hallis, when they invented football at the old Huntmobile automobile station, uh, store right there in Canton, Ohio or wherever. Here's the list of Bears head coaches with a winning record in their first season. It's, it's a short list, like a thin book. A real short list. George Hallis, uh-huh. 1920, first year of the NFL. George stepped aside for a year in 1930. His assistant, Ralph Jones, was above 500 in his, uh, I think, like only year, first year. Now you go to 1956. Ah, my wheelhouse. Good old Patty Driscoll. That was it. Filled in for uh, a year or two for Papa Bear, 1956. And Matt Nagy now. Hallis, Ralph Jones, Patty Driscoll, and now Matt Nagy. So no no Ditka, no Wanstead, no, no Neil Armstrong, Uh-oh. no no Tressman, no uh who else do we have I missing here? Uh, no Jerron. None of them had a winning record nah. in their first year as head coach. Nah. Matt Nagy, the first, and Patty Driscoll. Jim Dooley, yeah. uh, Jet Party. Unbelievable. <laughs> That's a, it's an unbelievable stat. It just shows you the history of Chicago Bears football. All right, next, we were talking about earlier in the show the uh, air raid sirens and uh, and how they're uh, operating there. They're going to do it again, uh, according to the Tribune today. Uh, it was uh, clarified or uh, verified is a better word by Scott Hagel. Oh, yeah, fans love it. We're going to have that air raid siren going. But there was Fans this... love free booze, too. They're not going to do that. There was a siren. Jeez. <laughs> oh, stop it. What's up, Fred? Stan? I like Scott Hagel, but jeez, come on. One o'clock. Fans call, love it. Call Fred at home. What's up, your can, Fred? Uh, next was, uh, okay, so. Under the radar on that, besides the uh, siren, as we used to call it, uh, uh, the PA announcer one time made the announcement, never been done before at a Bears home game, uh, the temperature in Chicago right now, 26 degrees. 
They said that obviously with the okay from Nagy because you said, Fred, you don't think P no. uh, marketing does anything. They with- also had it right without Mag- Nagy knowing. They also had uh, the temperature on the scoreboard. Oh, I so didn't know that. So every time when they looked at the scoreboard, they saw what the temperature was. Okay, so they announced twenty six degrees, obviously to try to get into the heads of the yeah. uh, of the Californians. You know, yeah. oh, it's freezing cold. Uh, next. Does this mean this stat mean anything, Fred? The Packers and I heard this all week. Packers are zero and six on the road. I don't know what that means. Does that yeah. mean anything to you? No, they can They have not won a game on the road all year. Okay. But then again, they've beaten the Bears eight times uh, here at Soldier Field. You know right. what? That doesn't mean anything to me either because the team that beat the Bears eight years ago at Soldier Field is nothing like the team that right. the, they're going to be facing this week. But this is this year's team is 0-6 on the road. Yeah. Hopefully it means something. I don't know how it really could. Uh, how do opponents, defensive coordinators... I don't know, whoever the uh, Packers defensive court. How do they... Mike Patton, I think. I, only you would know that, but that's... No, nah, he's right. one of the better ones in the league. Yeah. He had a head coaching only job. You start, yeah. Only uh-huh. you two would no, know that. No, no. <laughs> Didn't mean to leave you out, Eric. Oh, and I yeah. knew it, I knew it. No, thank you, no, Eric. Thank you, very good. How do opponents, defensive uh, coordinators, prepare for trick plays? Now, see, one of the under-the-radar things, I believe, is when you put these trick plays in, and again, gadget plays. Right. And, Fred, you're right. They may not always work. They probably won't They have so far. But it also gives these defensive coordinators, they have to plan for these plays, plus try to scheme in their head and waste time during the week. What's he going to do next? Now, the uh, Santa sleigh, uh, you know, looks like another play. It looked like the Oompa Loompa or whatever, which they had earlier where they hand the ball off to Hicks. Now, they line up almost the same way. Now, you know that the Rams at least devoted a few minutes. All right, if they if they line up in the Oompa Loompa again, right. here's how we stop it. Yeah. Well, then they fake the handoff to Hicks and uh, number 78 or 79, whatever, Sewell, uh, whatever his name is, runs out. Those are nice meat hooks. He made that catch. Yep. That was a nice catch. Real nice catch. You know, Shaheen made a nice catch up and over behind him on a two-point play earlier in yep. the year. But this has to drive defensive coordinators wacky, Fred. They have to prepare for the four. Yeah, there's no way to prepare for trick plays that you haven't seen. Well, they got to prepare for the ones they have right. seen, don't they? Otherwise, how can we... Well, but it's not always like that because the Bears special team coordinator, and Al Michaels said it, one punt prior to the Rams' fake punt, way back in their own territory, right. way back around the 25 or less on fourth and long, and they... And Michaels had just said, you know, this this punter has uh, done the fake punt like 17 times. Boom. So even if you know it's coming, sometimes it doesn't matter. Yeah. Well, apparently it didn't matter for the Bears. No. You know, the other thing that nobody's talked about, because obviously the pass was complete to Bradley's soul. But why was, why, why was Roy Robertson-Harris so close to him? In, well, he, he was behind him. See, he lined up on the on the left side. On the end. left side, and he came around in the back well, of the end zone. And he did was, a crossing pattern. He was within two yards right? of Bradley Soul. I'm trying to figure out if that was a mistake or if he was supposed to be a little bit deeper just deeper. in case Soul yeah. was covered. It's the old thing where they're so. both lined up at the same, so the quarterback throws it and do the short man or the long man. He doesn't have to look left or right, but you're right. Because sometimes when close. you do that, you're bringing, you're bringing attention. Well, yeah. Yeah. You're bringing another player over. And that so. was really a thread-the-needle pass. It was. And a terrific against catch by Bradley Soul. Bradley Soul. Hey, I got more yellow pad bears talk back then in the flash. you did the dance. <laughs>
He said his daughters, he worked with his daughters during the week. They taught him that dance. Yep. So obviously all week they were working on that. He knew about it. So that's pretty cool to think that the pressure didn't get to him. And that was a tough catch. The funniest thing about the whole situation was after the post game, uh, somebody asked Matt Nagy, they go, what about the play where you ran, uh, you ran in four defensive players? And he said, how many? <laughs> and he goes, four. He goes, five. And Nagy told him it was five defensive players. I think it was four. No, it was five. Was it? It was five defensive players. It was four on the one side, and then yeah. Roy Robertson Harris on the other. Yeah, I know. So it was okay. five guys. All right. Uh, more yellow pad bears talk. Murph and Fred, busy Saturday. Glad you're with us. Nice day. Oh, I can't wait to get outside. It's ESPN 1000. On the home stretch. Thanks for being with us all day, or some of the day. Miss a little, miss a lot. Murph and Fred, going to stretch over till uh, 10 minutes after 12 today before we, uh, what are we joining? Some great programming is that, uh, what do we do next? There's a Notre Dame game. All right, cool. Yep, Notre uh, Dame hoops. Okay. Uh, let, let's recap the final statement that we were making there, which was interesting at the presser. Uh, they were talking about Santa's sleigh, the pass to uh, Seoul. Uh and the uh, reporter said four or five. How'd that work? He said four defensemen, and uh, um, Nagy yeah, said actually five. Well, actually, it was four. It was four. Bradley yeah. Soul, who was yeah. a, who was who went in as a uh, tackle eligible. Here's how they lined up for that uh, amazing play. The uh, uh, touchdown pass, as Fred said, to number seventy nine. Oh, you know what? I I've, I never had noticed this till the last couple of weeks. If you're wearing a shirt. Number uniform number fifties or sixties, seventies or nineties. Uh, those are not eligible numbers. So you have to announce to the referee by you, you brush like uh, Jerry Krause the crumbs off your shirt, like on both sides. Doing evidently like rubbing off your number. I yeah. figured it out. Showing the referees this number doesn't count right now. I'm eligible to either be on the uh, an end to receive a pass or run in the backfield. So if you're in the 50s, 60s, 70s, or 90s, you got to brush off the crumbs to eliminate your your number. All five guys had to do that when they yes, came on. Yes, which you don't think that confuses the defense? Yeah. Well, I'm sure it confuses the referees. Uh-huh. So you had your five offensive linemen, your two tight ends left and right on the left, 95, Robertson Harris, and on the right side, the ultimate recipient of the touchdown pass, Bradley Soul, number 79. Your four men in the backfield, technically, were the quarterback, uh, Trubisky, and then you had Hicks lined up to decoy the old Oompa Loompa, and then in front of him, you had two lead blockers as your other two backfield men, uh, 90 Bullard and 98 Nichols. You know, it's cool. He also, Nagy, gives the extra guys a chance to do it. He didn't put in, uh, you know, uh, Mac or, or the uh, or Floyd, right? And then these are bigger guys, I understand, but don't think he doesn't say, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna give all the guys a chance. So the second string defensive guys mostly uh, were in there, and he must have known that Soul had great hands. I think I read somewhere that every day at practice, Soul's yeah. always showing great catches, like off to the right. side when they're warming up. Yeah, he's doing it constantly. And the other thing is, uh, the other thing with the trick plays, and you know, people keep talking about him. And I mentioned this last night. Twice this year, Eddie Jackson's been in the backfield, and if I'm not mistaken, both of the plays have been called for illegal illegal motion. 
So I'm not sure exactly what Eddie Jackson's going to do if they're actually able to run a play hmm. with him in, on the offense. But they get called for illegal motion sometimes when they're trying to put in trick plays because some of the regular guys don't know where to line up with all of a sudden a defensive player in the field. Well, speaking of trick plays, not necessarily trick plays, but lining up incorrectly, it's called illegal formation. And uh, you have to have seven men on the line. Yep. Duh. And twice in one game about a month or so ago, Kevin White, when he was playing, he he was the seventh guy on the line on the right, but he wasn't on the line. He was back like a flanker or slot. And twice, all he had to do was look down like since uh, Pop Warner. And right. say, Uh-oh, there's only six on the line. I'm hanging out here on the right side. Step up. So twice he got flagged. He hasn't played much since then. I don't know if there's a correlation. I think he has played a few times. I, I don't think, I, I think they, the correlation is he sucks. Well, that, <laughs> yeah. well, that too. But now, number 12, Allen Robinson, he got flagged, even though they said number 70, Massey, because he's uncovered. Here's a guy, a long-time pro. He didn't step up two, two right. strides to be on the line. They got flagged for five yards. Then the next play's holding. Yeah. My gosh. So, uh, let's see. More yellow pad here, Fred. Uh, how They're about- still one of the best teams in the in the NFL in least penalties, which is good to see. I didn't. I don't know. I I'm knew pretty that. sure I, I know. Okay, yeah. cool, yeah. cool. Uh, back to John Fox for a minute. You know, whoop, he never figured what he never figured out how to use Cohen. When you think back, they never did anything creative with this guy. He was running up the gut, up the gut. I never figured out how to break him loose one-on-one with a linebacker. I mean, it's just amazing to look back and see that this guy, what a weapon he is. And last year he was handcuffed. But well, they didn't have time to teach him. The, the goal last year wasn't to be tricky plays. The goal last year was to not make mistakes yeah. and let the defense win games for you. Yeah. By the way, the Bears, there are only five teams uh, with fewer penalties than the Bears this year. Cool. So, yeah, right. they, they've done a pretty good job. Now, remember uh, a week ago we were talking about kick returner of the Bears, number 33, uh, Mizell? Yep. He was replaced uh, a week or two, was it just this week or also last week by Anthony uh, Miller, number 17's returning Yeah, that was weird. Kicks. Yeah. Now, you don't return any. I don't think he returned any, did well, he? Well, no, these days yeah. you don't, as yeah. you've been long, you know, uh, campaigning. Why are you running these things out? Well, finally they've dummied up or listened to right. you and get on the well, 25. we'll see. Yeah. But... At the same time, Anthony Miller hasn't been uh, uh, getting many, many or any targets, which no. they call when you, uh, you know, you're the you're the option, you're the first option out there. They're not thrown to him. Now, did he get dinged up recently? Uh, a, no. year, a week or two ago? No, right? No. So as a matter I, of fact, yeah, I don't uh, get it. He got. Uh, I've got it written down here. He had one target against the Rams, two against the Giants, yeah, four against Detroit, three against Minnesota. Um, so in the last two games, he's had three targets, one catch. How many were the Rams? I'm sorry, you just one. Said. He was targeted once and not a catch. No. Yeah. No. Something's so. going on there. He must. He must be dinged up, and they're hiding it because this guy's running loose the first seven, eight weeks. Slants deep, deep slants over the middle, twenty yard slants over. The- well, you also have a situation where uh, Taylor Gabriel was targeted seven times each of the last two games. He had three catches in both. Yeah. So they've only found him six of the 14 times they threw him the ball. And that, that's on Mitch. Mitch is missing him. Yeah, he's oh, yeah. open and Mitch is missing yeah. him. So he's got he's to do a better job of that. I, and I know that Mitch only played the last game. Uh, he wasn't here the game before that. But And Trey Burton's another guy. They used him early in the year, and they've been unable to really get a, a, any rhythm going with Trey Burton since. Yeah, I don't get it. Uh, next. So... Uh, 
Uh, number 37, uh, Callahan goes down yep, in the uh, that's second a big quarter loss. because, as we've, you know, and I think everyone's pretty aware nowadays, uh, teams' offense are in nickel or five, four or five wideouts all the time. So rarely uh, do you not have uh, your fifth defensive back, nickel five, hence the phrase nickel back. So he comes in, and Callahan, Fred, we know, has been terrific. Yeah, he's Just, been great. So Sharik McMahon, now this guy should, I don't know how many game balls they give out or if they still do that or what they do Well, anymore. they just gave one this week to the fans. That's right. Okay, right. That, yeah, yeah, good point, right. Now this uh, Sharik McManus, uh, number 27, he comes in with four minutes left in the second quarter and he played it lights out. You yeah. never heard his name. Nope, he's played but, really well you know, all year at that spot. If he got beat, it was just a three-yard pass in front of him. No one, you know, beat him. He made tackles. And everyone was worried. Uh, oh, what are we going to do? What are we gonna? Well, you know what? He's terrific. The people, who's going to take the spot this year? Well, McManus is going to take yeah, the spot. Well, it's not easy. And, and they say that uh, Houston Carson may also yeah. take some of those snaps. But the one thing about McManus is uh, in his short time this year, he's got a sack and an interception. So he can rush from that spot, which is the only time the Bears usually blitzes from that uh, that corner. position, that yeah. corner blitz. All right. And then he's also got an interception. So he's a Northwestern guy. He's a smart guy. He can, he can figure it out. Now, this is sort of interesting. All week, I've not heard the, uh, and this is, you know, never bear weather. I never, now everyone remembers bear weather turned out to be uh, uh, no, when, you're, when, your team's, when your team's bad, <laughs> yeah. the weather don't matter. Right. Now, I didn't want to really think that the cold weather, 26 degrees to us, it's not cold. No. But no one has said bear weather, but many national experts have said, well, you know, Goff pulled the horns in, uh, Gurley pulled the horns in, they didn't like the cold weather. I didn't want to believe it, but the more you hear, so what do you think? I mean, I, I just think, I think it's uh, letting Goff and Gurley and the whole Rams off easy. If they're if they don't have the stones to play in cold weather, which isn't even that cold, then uh, something's seriously wrong with their their want to. No, I understand. You're running the football. I mean, re- really? I mean, you probably got you probably got salve on. You're probably warm anyway. But you then know. they say that these guys, you know, they research it. College pros, they've never played in a game below fifty six degrees. Yeah. But mentally, I know what you're saying. For you're being paid, go do it. But. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, Steve McMichael will bring it up all the time. Well, yeah, yeah uh, bear weather. The uh, 49ers came here in 84 and kicked the tail of the Bears. So. I know. And he stays from Texas. Yeah. Never wore long sleeves, if I'm not mistaken, nope. right? Never wore them. Yeah. I know that Lance Briggs was on earlier this week. Oh. He said he had long sleeves on. I heard And this. then all of a sudden, his <laughs> other one of the defensive players, he ripped them off. He said, right. we don't wear long sleeves on the Bears defense. <laughs> then he started wearing those elbow compression sleeves yeah. a little bit to try to keep warm. Yeah, I did hear that. Uh, notes uh, on injuries right now. Patrick Finley, I saw him first uh, last night. Uh, safety, Eddie Jackson. Shin, receiver Allen Robinson, hip. Ah, they were all just rest Defensive days. Defensive lineman Bilal Nichols' knee are questionable. Verse package, but all are expected to play. Yep. And uh, Jackson did not practice uh, Friday. Nichols was limited. Robinson full participation. Want to thank our guest, Talk Baseball with Jesse Rogers uh, and uh, Scott Merkin over there at MLB.com. Nice to have Eric Ostrowski back with us. He'll be with me tomorrow morning when I'll be out with the Mongo. We'll oh. be at Twin Peaks in Oak Brook. Stop oh. on by and say hi to us tomorrow, 9 to noon. Murph and Fred saying thanks for listening. Thanks for calling. See you later, everybody, and go Bears!